listen to the Black Guy Who Tips podcast. Because Rod and Karen are hot. Wrecking crew! Sex, money, and murder. All the decorations they set up under the curtains. They sitting here singing they never wanted to hurt us. And never would they ever. So I guess they made good on their promises all together. But maybe they really didn't. Meaning they really did get the semi-auto lifting. And ricochet reasons when they ricochet rabbit us. Trick bullets that'll stop mid-air and mallet us. We just try and duck it. But they bucking like a practice was targeted the head. Out the window with this view from this apartment. With a stare that'll make you want to see more. All of this Intrigue will make you leave from out of these doors and look for where Quillis is. Bigger dream penciled in, Hennessy adrenaline. Throw down, stand up and die for it like Blizzard did. <laughs> 40 ounces on 40 degree days, penning 40 ball verses with 40 on each page. I'm writing around the holes, I'm running out of room when I'm writing. So I suppose my pose is more in depth. My pose along the steps is home. So to the death, we was built to play the right, and I chose the bust and left. Dedicated like, to better living, spending on better women. Took it and ran with it when they. They said we better get it Like we was doing good But we doing better winning And knowing there could be no better ending And it's dedicated to never living Spinning but never getting Took it to stand with it When they said we'll never get it Like we misunderstood Them wanting to never switch it And knowing that this shit is never ending And looking back on it It all started in Steele's apartment It all started in Steele's apartment Said it all started in Steele's apartment It all started in Steele's apartment one and the same if there's something to say Something to say like how was still just the one to remain One to remain like how was dealing with one in the chain One in the chain like the feeling there is nothing to gain Nothing to gain like I'm willing in the jump in that lane Jump in that lane like the villain I was one in the same It circles back and we just try and jump in that ring Jump in that ring like if we won't get to jump in the game I mean, like, all we wanted was opportunity And even if we couldn't be exact, we knew the means Even if we couldn't see a stack, we was true to and even when we got to being that, we never knew to eat <laughs> Fucking something more, at least we was pursuing it And order a lobster fried rice if we was doing it ha! Young and wide-eyed, sprung off the Diddy crew Like we're the puff, wait till we get in these living rooms Or better yet, I Cause I was all alone in a basement full of eyes That was similar to mine, with no similar in rhyme None similar to mine, and we kicking it like shit is I'm trying to keep it alive and not compromise the feeling we love you're trying to keep it the private and only co-sign what radio does, and I'm looking right past you. We live in a world, we live in a world on two different axles. You live in a world, you're living behind the mirror. I know what you're scared of, the feeling of feeling, emotions inferior. Woo! Hot fire early in the morning from Chris Lambert at 10 a.m. <laughs> I'm only on the black guy who tips. Starting to win enough right, sir. Um, all right, man, well... Hey, you're listening to the Black Guy Tips podcast. Your host Rod and Karen, and we're in the house on a Sunday football morning, and we're doing the show at 10 a.m. Why? Because we want to watch football. Yes, for the rest of the day and take naps and I know it's so go to the store and all kinds of shit that we can't do. We do the show later. Yes, sorry, my West Coast friends. I'm sorry, but um, the voice that you heard, you should be pretty familiar with. He's been on the show multiple times. Uh, I've told you guys to go check out his comedy on YouTube. Uh, check out his blog. Uh, it's comedian Chris Lambert. What's up, Chris? What's going on, y'all? Thanks for having me again. Oh, no problem, dude. You know, it's all, it's been too long, man. That's how I look at it. It's always too long. Uh, we get to talk to Chris, man. Um, Chris is one of those people that I talk to a lot on like G chat and shit, like outside of the show. So, 
uh you know it's, it's always a, a good guest to have when somebody that you uh already have somewhat of a rapport with um of course you can check chris out he's on twitter he's at chris lambert and it's l-a-m-b-e-r-t-h uh he also has chris lambert.tumblr.com and of course youtube.com user slash chris lambert comedy or you can just search chris lambert comedy when you go to youtube and uh check him out man i put some of his stand up at the end of the show before uh very funny dude he is and um just continuing to uh to grind hard like we do mm-hmm. yeah so uh, i guess uh, before we move into everything like chris what's been going on with you man how stand up going all that stuff uh stand-up's going great uh it's it's just a it's a constant progression like you you guys know with like podcasting and trying to put out you know putting out content and trying to be do well at what you do but it's I've been you can, sometimes when you're in the midst of like trying to be successful and and go for yours it, you have to kind of appreciate the milestones like I this summer I got to work with uh Wyatt Sinek who's one of my one of my favorite comedians to work with and like from, uh a lot of people would know him from the Daily Show yeah the black dude on the Daily Show not the older black dude the one with the fro yeah and uh he worked with him this summer in Arlington Virginia uh, and I uh, got the chance to work with him on a bigger stage at uh, Caroline's on Broadway, um, which was like a, that's almost like the mecca for, for New York comedy. That's one of the best uh, comedy clubs in the city, and it's right on Broadway. And it's almost like a dream come true, because when you're a kid, when I was a kid as a young theater nerd, uh, you want to perform on Broadway, but I just never thought it would be that way and uh it was it was a pretty big deal for me like in the scheme of things uh you know it's it's a big deal and then it's not a big deal but sometimes you have to just kind of take in those moments to where you know you're you're on the stage with this guy that's on on tv all the time and guy you respect his work i remember like a year a year ago i was watching him sit in the audience watching him tape his comedy central special and then a year later, I'm backstage with him talking about hip hop. So, and performing. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, it's real. Uh, and I had that same experience with uh, Mark Marin, like working with him last year, and you know, watching him tape his album. And then you're hanging out backstage, and it's kind of, it's a little surreal, but it, 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 and it's humbling too. So it's just, it just gives you something to keep striving for, and it's a lot of fun, man. I can. I could totally see a progression, and you know, I'm just trying to get better. You know, that's, a, that's Mark Marin of the WTF podcast, uh, which is also nominated for a Stitcher Award, just like we are. So mm-hmm. uh, I would say he's in good company, and, and vice versa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, He—I've never been. I've—I'm, you know, I haven't been on his podcast before, but I'm. This is my first Stitcher-nominated uh, podcast that I've been a, a part of. So. It's it's just good to see that that people are out here like grinding and really putting in hard work and and things are paying off. Am I being too like spiritual on Sunday, kind of? Uh, no, nah, mm-hmm. man. I don't think you can. No, nah, that's fine. That's a, that's absolutely fine, man. Um, now also, uh, you worked with DL Hewley for a while. Um, yeah, I worked. With- yeah, how did that go? That was great. Like he, like as a kid, uh, I grew up watching him. Uh, like I used to know like all of his jokes as a kid and then like he just let threw me on his show just to open up his show do like a few minutes before the show that was also at Caroline's and uh, 
that was a lot of fun. He was just really, he's, he's a class act. Like you, you meet, it's, it's funny because you meet all, a lot of celebrities in this business of people that are super successful. A lot of them are nicer than people that, that aren't famous, you know, like he, he was just really, he was just really cool. Took me, took us out to dinner with his, with his crew and everything. And it was, I had sea bass for the first time. You know, just really like open me. Isn't it good? It is so good. I, yes, it's a, it is. Yeah, I was impressed, and I'm not really a big seafood guy, but I enjoyed it. DL's great. Uh, he's nice. He's just had a Comedy Central special called The Endangered List, I believe, and where he's trying to make the black man an endangered species, and he goes around. Oh, yeah, I saw a commercial for that um, the other day where. Uh, yeah, D.L. Hewley is one of those guys to me that um, I, I think I was first introduced to him like most of America through uh, Comic View. Yes. Yeah, yeah him, him roasting the shit out of the audience there. I mean, I'm sure I, I saw him on uh, Def Comedy Jam, I'm sure, too. But, mm-hmm. you know, Comic View was the first time I was like, man, this dude is getting some notoriety off of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always kind of like thought his stand-up was okay, but I thought that it's one of those things where you do it long enough, you're a master craftsman at mm-hmm. what you're doing. So you yes. can like his, I think his uh, talent is you can put him in a room with anybody, right. with any audience, and he's going to end up, uh, you know, make it, he's going to fucking do his thing. And he's always going to, um, I've always enjoyed when he got on the audience and just went through roasting them. Like, that. that's a talent that's, I mean, it's almost akin to like being a freestyle rap battler. Where yeah. You can just point at a dude and be like, oh, this is what's funny about you. And yeah, move and, on. and everybody can do that. And, and to be able to put, uh, a comedian any situation with just about any audience and them be able to be funny is very very hard to do mm-hmm. because what i've realized about a lot of comedians they work well in certain situations but then you put them in other situations like if you put some comedians in situations where they're interacting or roasting the audience they tank so it just right. you know so it depends on your personality and your type of stand-up also the other thing about him that i was gonna say is like uh he's one of those people i'm always surprised at whatever project he's doing mm. just because he's always because he's, he's he's a dude that's uh actually highly political yeah. uh very intelligent like this is mm-hmm. shit that uh you know personally i would not have associated with comic view at any point in my life like, <laughs> so true so every time he pops up and it's like yeah man i'm doing an endangered species uh you know as a as a um you know as a show it's about black males and i'm like what dl Hewley? yeah like, he was- he was telling me about it uh, while we, he was in the process of filming things for it. And, like, this was July when I worked with him. He was in New York and filming different things. He had, like, white girls go up to people in the, like, in the park. And, like, you know how they sign, make you sign up for Greenpeace and stuff. He had white girls, like, trying to save the black man. Like, could you sign on this petition to save the black man? I was like, Jesus Christ, like, you're just doing this? <laughs> I was like, all right, man, that sounds, like, that sounds dope, but I was like, wow, you know, he's going to, like, clans, like, uh, neo-Nazis and, and, and telling them to, like, uh, about, like, the, the, his, his plan and how it would be bad if black, there were no black people, black men here, because he wouldn't have anybody to persecute. Like, you couldn't, Mexicans and Jewish people wouldn't really be enough, you know, to go at. <laughs> so it was crazy like it, it was it's pretty neat so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it uh it came on last night i, I recorded it on my dvr so i'm gonna check it out but yeah that's awesome man like i said that's a dude that 
he just pops up places for me. Well, I'm just like, Dale Healy on MSNBC? Like, yeah. <laughs> just random shit. This is like, you know, I don't know what he's doing, gonna be doing next, but, uh, yeah, man, that dude's a lot deeper than I thought he was when I first mm-hmm. saw him, so that's surprising. Um, now, when you get to talk with Wyatt Snack about hip hop, man, what's that like? What, what kind I know, of music right? is Wyatt Snack bumping right now? He, he entered, he was telling me about this cat named, uh, Willie Evans Jr who's from Florida, and he's got this song called, uh, God, I think it's called Nerd Nerd English. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard yeah, that song. Yeah. Um, Elon James White okay. used that song as the intro to his We Nerd Hard uh, podcast sometimes. Yeah, and I was talking to you about it on Gchat because the guy, like, I looked him up when he sent me the link, and I looked him up on Twitter started following him, and I saw where he retweeted you. And I was like, okay, this guy knows who Rod is, but he's cool. And uh, <laughs> and uh, so I started following him, and like his music, his music's pretty. He's good. Like he's kind of got the uh, like a M- uh, MF Doom type sound, and he just he's just like going hard over these beats, rapping. Uh, he's solid, dude. And we talked about a little about little brother and and you know cats like that. I think he I think he's cool with Fonte. Like he actually like knows him. Mm. Uh, and stuff like that. So I think we have like similar tastes, like kind of like the indie hip hop, uh, you know, vibe and stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah. The thing with Juan Sinek that's, uh, kind of different for me. And I guess it's becoming, uh, this way for a lot of the daily show analysts. I don't become aware of their stand up until they're on the daily show. True. Yeah. Like, yeah. They do the daily show and then all of a sudden they're doing like a stand up special. I'm like, Oh yeah, that dude, it would make sense. He's probably a fucking comedian. And he probably does stand up. Yeah. And I just never heard of it because I've always associated him with the, the Daily Show. True. Yeah. What I liked about him, and like he was in um, Medicine for Melancholy, the movie that I talked to you guys about a lot. Yeah. Uh, just in general, talked to a lot of people. Like it's just what was it was just a refreshing movie. And like I was saying the first time we were talking about it on here, just like it shows black people just behaving. It's not like. Lord, we got to make rent, and it's just, <laughs> or just How like gonna, had a baby gonna get some shoes. Yeah, it's just like people people trying to relate to each other, and it was just refreshing to see like a movie like that that wasn't really uh, trying for anything to like really uh, you know like trying to fit a mold of a black film. It was just it was kind of like. Uh, this movie, you guys have probably seen it, like Before Sunrise, Before Sunset with Ethan Hawke and Jude. I've heard, I've heard of it. I haven't watched it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. So I I, you know, I call you the rom comedian because you watch a lot of romantic comedies and romantic movies, and I'm not really into that genre. So I rely on you from as my source of uh, what's good in the romantic <laughs> comedy. Area. It's because I'm trying to fill a dead space in my heart. That's, that's <laughs> why. That's why I watch the. But I watch I watch everything though because like now like uh but like those those uh those type of movies like it's real it's in it's like indie it's two people you know it's almost like a play and like they're just like related to each other and and trying to feel each other out blah 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 so so I liked him from that and then his stand up what I like about his story was the fact that he wasn't heralded like a lot of other comics like he was just He's, he's from North Carolina. He, he grew up, was born in New York, and then he moved to Texas. Then he went to school at uh, uh, UNC Chapel Hill, I believe, and then moved to L.A. to start doing comedy, and he was a writer for King of the Hill. 
And then just like in 08, you know, he just sort of popped when he got on the Daily Show. You know, he was just kind of a dude that was around. So I just kind of appreciate his story a little more because of his his grind was a little different than a lot of other people that I enjoy. But he's a little bit off the beaten path. He's a funny guy. Maybe not be for everybody, but just a dude that um, that's funny without being... I'm funny, nigga. You know, right, like that yeah. that sort of thing. And I grew up like loving those Def Jam guys, but it would be inauthentic for me to do it because that's that's not me. Right. But but I'm still inspired by those guys. It's like that's that's a part of you know the comedic history. That those those are the guys that really late made me love stand up. D.L. Hughley, Bernie Mac, Cedric, um, and and you know Martin Lawrence especially because Martin Lawrence was from from the same area as me, uh, PG County in Maryland. Um, so he's kind of a guy. Like I know he's in dresses now and stuff, but now gotcha. you know what, man. The thing about Martin that I thought was a little unfair is, you know, people getting on him for making Big Mama and shit like that. But mm. I mean, this dude dressed up as Shanae a fucking long time yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, like, he did. Like I don't really. I think it's inauthentic to be like, well, yeah, black man got to put on a dress to make it look at Martin. It's like, well, Martin started out with that with those characters, and that, that was one true. of the strengths of his show was mm-hmm. the fact that he could, you know, go mm-hmm. to wardrobe, come back with a completely different character. Yeah. have you dying dude like so i you know i've never really thought that uh people that went in on martin for dressing up as big mama were really uh right i'm not saying the movies are good that yeah. that i don't like the movies but in general it's like it's not because he put on a dress that the mm-hmm. movies uh you know it's like violating some sort of like code of ethics that martin started with that i, I know now now he now to make the money he's putting on his costume like no he's mm-hmm. always been willing yes, to put on a costume he has yeah. Um, all right, man. Another now, let's talk about some some stuff about you, man. Okay. All right. Number one, um, of these comedians, have you ever worked with anybody that did treat you like shit, man? You ever had any bad uh, stuff with clubs, anything like that? Has it been a pretty you know chill uh, experience or what? Like, because I know almost every comedian has the I didn't get paid story or. Um. Well, I mean, like you have people that are kind of. Uh, shady that are kind of, there's people that you think are your friends but they're they're kind of like sometimes they come across as like being your friends but then they do sneaky stuff behind you mm. it's like it's like people that actually have like a little more shine than you that are kind of like oh how did you get that gig or like how did you you know do this and that and it's like i'm i'm nobody in, in comp like i'm a i'm just a dude like i don't have I don't have any gimmicks or anything. I'm just a guy that's got some jokes and trying just trying to evolve and get better. But you 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 meet people that that have certain credits on TV or they have writing credits and you see them live and it's like you can't you don't know how to host a show. Uh, you you don't know how to uh, get an audience like crowded. Like a lot of people don't want to host because it's not the like you you just want to jump the headliner you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's like but when you were a headliner you got to you got to be funny but you got to sell tickets like you got to get people in the seats and i'm not i'm not that guy yet like i'm not on a tv show and i'm just a dude that's trying to be funny but you know if if there was something like maybe a year from now if i'm on a tv show i'm going to have to be ready to headline so Mm. Right now, I'm just trying to be a good host, uh, learn how to be a good host, learn how to good, be a good feature act. And so that's kind of what I'm working on now. But you do meet people that are 
that are shady. But like it was like I was telling you before, like the further up you get, like there's people that'll be. Um, it seems like people are nicer to you the, the higher you get in the in the industry. So um, yeah, there's, there's little pitfalls. So, um, I'm sorry, Karen, did you have a question? I didn't want to skip over you. Yes, okay, uh, do you think that doing the, like, the, the crowd warm-up prior to, like, the comics and things like that, do you think that makes your craft better because you're almost forced to interact with people who may not know who you are? Yes, it makes you so much better. I, I've been fortunate to work a lot at this club, uh, Levity Live, which is in West Nyack, New York. It's like right outside of the city, maybe like a half an hour out of the city. And I work with a lot of people there. I'm actually going to be there tonight. And uh, you, you, work, you get up in front of these crowds. Sometimes they may have never been to a comedy club before. And, and you, you have to get them going. Like you have to, sometimes you have to take your lumps sometimes and you bring the people up and they, you got to, it's just a skill. It's a whole other skill that you have to learn, um, and it helps you as a comic because, you know, a lot of times I'm doing shows up there at Levity Live, and then when I have a show in the city, like, it's nothing. Like, a lot of people don't want to go up first in regular bar shows that you do in, in so much in the city, and they're just, I was just like, oh, I'll go. Like, you said, Chris, do you want to go up first? He's like, sure, man, it's your show. However you want me to do it. You know, you're giving me the time. Let's Let's do it, and you feel, and you can see a difference. It's a gradual, it's a gradual difference, but it's so much. It's it helps so much. Now, uh, have you ever have you ever done a, a gig where you didn't get paid, like that you were supposed to get paid or anything like that? Um, no, like a lot of times, if it's at a club or something, you you get paid. Sometimes they pay you in cash. Like you, right. you work at some clubs, like damn, like wow, like I don't even have to go to the ATM. Like <laughs> you know, I can. I just, just let me be careful walking out of here, but yeah, this is a good night. Yeah, like I've I've been able, I've been fortunate so far to work at places where they where it's a paid spot. They're they're gonna pay you. Like if you're working at a club, usually like they'll like a Caroline's or a Gotham or like Levy Live, or they they give you a check or they give you cash. Um, usually like the bar shows where you're working out, sometimes you just kind of don't expect payment. You don't expect to get paid. You're just you're just doing your, you're doing your, getting your stage time in. And then when you get those paid spots, you're sharp. You know what I mean? Like, you're not like, you're not like, you don't wet the bed when you get those good gigs. So. Yeah, you can. You can. <laughs> yeah. Them again. Like, uh, so another question I got to ask too, man, that's for my man Sterling Harrison. I'm sure he's wants to know. Um, what's the hoes like, man, when you out there, you know, being a comedian? <laughs> Uh, are y'all getting comedian group? Uh, is there like groupies and stuff like that, or like what's going on? Uh, like I'm see, I'm not really like I'm not cool like that. But there's girls that'll that'll come up and talk to you. You get you get their you get their numbers and stuff. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But it's there. I think I think the further up on the rung you get, like you start to meet you start to meet more women. Like I'm I'm seeing a little bit of that, but not not like not too much yet but i just have to get get my girls like uh the regular you just meet them somewhere or you meet them through a friend or blah 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 i don't know well as a like a, a hopeless romantic man like <laughs> I, I would figure that you would really be into like the dating scene and like you know dealing with chicks and stuff like that i'm yeah i'm trying to like i i'm, I'm kind of like one of those dudes since you calling me the rom comedian 
Yeah. I'm like one of those. I'm like one of my one of my boys made fun of me. He's like, you just like he said, you're just like a white girl in a romantic comedy. Where it's like you have <laughs> you have all this love to give, but it's just like you're you're like I'm just kind of like I'm focusing on my career, and if something happens, it happens. Like I'm trying to like be married to my career, and then like, but then I'm still dead inside. But then like I'll try to meet somebody. You know, it it happens. Like I think it'll happen when it happens. Like I'm I'm so, not yeah. You know, I've seen some of your sets and stuff on on YouTube and stuff. And I would say you don't do quote unquote black comedy, you know what I mean, as far as uh comic view type, deaf comedy jam, stereotypical, you know, white people do this, black people do that. Yeah. Um but you know, it looks like you work some pretty diverse crowds, you know. Um so is it you know, like what kind of chicks are in the crowd that would even be, you know, <laughs> Like dealing with this, you know what I mean? Because I, I, I do work like you know. It's like uh, whenever you see people are like, uh, well, this dude dating a white chick or some shit like that. I'm like, well, look at his comedy. Like, who the fuck you think is there? So I just wonder, like, what kind of chicks are in the crowd that you know Chris Le- are are like? Oh, Chris Lambert. Mm. Oh well, it's all kinds. Like, it's all kinds of women. Like, uh, if you do shows like at a club, it's it's pretty diverse. With all kinds of people, especially in New York, uh, like doing a club like uh, like Caroline's, uh, it's pretty diverse. You have like, you have tourists, you have like moms, uh, you know, like black, white. Like I did the I did a spot last night um, at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. That's a, a theater comedy theater that Amy Poehler and some of her friends started like yeah, yeah. a while ago. And uh, they just opened a, a east uh, a theater a second theater in the East Village, and um, I did a show there last night. Well, this morning actually, like twelve midnight show, and like they they're they're like white kids, there's a couple of black girls there too, you know. And um, it it just depends on the night and what you know what people are, you know, whatever type of people come. But it's it's, it's diverse. Like you like I want to reach everybody. I did a show last week. Um, and there was there was like a fundraiser for the women of like Rockland County in New York, and they were mainly all Jewish women, like middle aged Jewish women. And um, and, and myself, <laughs> you know, it just depends. Like I, I just want to be for everybody. Like I want to appeal to my, I want to appeal to my people. I want to appeal to black, white, Asian. You know, it doesn't. Yeah. And you just want to be that guy. And I think the way that I can do that is just trying to be myself being a little more personal because I think I'm, I'm shooting like the people that I love, like, like the, my Mount Rushmore, like right now is just like, is Mark Marin, Patrice O'Neill, Louis CK, Bill Burr. And those guys, for the most part, they are who they are off stage as well as on stage. Like you, right. when, when you see them on stage, yeah, they're a heightened, they're a heightened versions of themselves, but but it's still post- them. Yeah, it's still them. And so, uh, all right. So, all right. In general, like this, like off stage, just regular Chris Lambert, you know, going to work. All the, you know, that guy going, maybe going out to a bar or something. Yeah. Are you the type of dude that approaches chicks, or you know, like, you know, do you have a Mac game? You, you know, you 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 put a little bit of spit on the eyebrows and walk over. <laughs> It's like I'm I'm sort of like how Nas said like I don't have no game they just understand my story like that that's kind of that's honestly like that's that's kind of how I am like 
And sometimes it's been like it's interesting. Like I'm not, I don't consider myself a player, but there's been a lot of women that I've like liked, and it's, there's been there's been situations where I've been able to finagle my way into a relationship or into hooking up or into something with that person. Like if I'm like fixated on a girl, like it, you know, not like in a stalkery way, but if I have a crush, I'll you girl. Oh, you yeah. Just- you just like all of her bathing suit pics on Facebook, yeah. and then uh, retweet some of her Twitter statuses. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I've been I've been able to to form a whatever kind of relationship with them. You know, it, maybe it didn't work out all the time, but there's been quite a few that I've been able to take out a date and see them naked. You know, so I, you know, I've been I've been pretty lucky, but I need, but I want, I think I'm looking for more of a. Like more stability. Like I want to, because you want. I want to have kids one day. I want to get married. I want. So, you, you know, like you sound a little bit like, um, like me a little bit. Where uh, is my thing is that um, I start thinking long term. Yeah. Immediately with people, and it's like people are so fucked up that that's it's ridiculous. Like you really got to take it day by day. Right. It's, <laughs> it's it's, like, I have a bit about that. Like I think it's on one of my YouTube clips it's about. You you meet somebody like I'm not gonna do the bit, but it's just like you think about what that woman would be like. You know, what would she be like if you're like at Target together? Like you you're what what is she like when she's you're making her an omelet and she's wearing your old gym shirt or something right. like that? Like I'm like I am kind of like that to a certain degree. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like lie and say you know I'm 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 a player and I'm a man. Like I'm a man, but you know you still I. I, you know, I watch, like, Pretty Little Liars. I can't front <laughs> So I asked that initial question to ask this. Okay. Does being on stage change the dynamic of that where chicks are trying to holler at you more now that, you know, you're on stage? Because even if you're not, you know, a headlining comedian, I feel like the idea of being on stage for a lot of women will be more of a turn on for a lot of people. Actually, in general, it's more like, oh, this person was on stage like they're somebody because, you know, I just watched them talk to, you know, a room of however many people mm-hmm. and make those people laugh. So, you know, are these Jewish MILFs like hollering at you and stuff? And is it, <laughs> is it a change, you know, from your everyday life? I think I think it is. It is a change from everyday life. Like you're, you're talking to people and they're like, I can't, oh, my God, you're so great. You're so amazing. And it's, just, <laughs> it's like. You, it, it's like I'm just a dude. Like that's just kind of what I do. Like it's like I don't look at it as like I I know what it what it means to some people. Like I know it's like that. It's like that Kendrick song. Like bitch, don't don't still kill my vibe. It's just like you you can like a lot of people are in this to be famous, and like that. I mean, I think it's something that I always joke about it. Like there's something internally off with me to want to go do something like that you know what i mean to want to go like talk to people but that that's how like i feel like i fit into the world like that i think i think if you actually talk to a lot of artists like musicians comics or you know anybody that puts out content like that like like you guys like there's something not something wrong but it's just there's a yeah, something different where yeah. it's like why do i feel like my opinion needs to be out there for people to hear, you right? Know? Yeah, uh, it's like I, I was telling Keith and the girl when they were on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I'm jealous of the fact that I had good parents because 
I don't feel like I need to get on stage, you know. Um, I don't feel any need to uh, hate them. And uh, all the white comedians I know, you know, they kind of hate their parents. So it's like, <laughs> fuck. Now, I, and, and see, like, I think you and I, uh, even though I think you're a little bit cooler than me, but I think <laughs> like, like, sort of sort of sort parallel of each other. We, we kind of have parallel thinking in a lot, a lot of times stuff that we talk about, like, like not on this podcast, on G-Chat or whatever. Yeah. Like I like I I too love my parents and like I and I I had this bit about where I talk about like how I, I love doing stand up but I kind of wish that I could be a rapper but I don't have the edge that I need to, that I feel like you need to be be a great one because like I know who my father is like I know like <laughs> like he he signed permission slips packed my lunch sometimes you know he's a school yeah. <laughs> Like I took, I took a half day on Friday, uh, so I could get a exercise bike from my dad, and he helped me bring it over to the house and everything. Like I just don't have the angst and the animosity to be a good rapper. Like when I was rapping, I quit rapping because it was just like, what the fuck am I gonna say? You yeah, know what I mean? and, and 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 the thing is like. People fail to realize once you get to the point where you have an I'm grown mentality where you like, look, I don't steal. I don't shoot. I'm not trying to pretend who I am for you people. Then all of a sudden you rapping about daycare. You're about paying taxes. You're about 401k. You're yeah. about overtime at work. You're mm-hmm. rapping about meetings. That's the shit you're rapping about. You're rapping about yeah. paying car loans and car notes and mortgages. That's what you're rapping about. You're not really rap- rapping about stuff that people really want to hear. And I think that makes a difference. Yeah. Um, what has been your, or have you ever experienced a, a tough crowd? Oh, yeah. Like, there, there's, some, there's sometimes, like, especially hosting, uh, sometimes you, you, uh, you encounter people that, like, they're still eating like they're they're eating food and like the food like at a club like Levity Live is is awesome, and like they're you're trying to tell your jokes and like they're like <laughs> they're eating and you you just have to open them up and it uh, like I was I did a show like the show that I did last night it was a fun show it was like a kind of a light crowd and it was a variety show and they the host uh, they brought the show started with this guy playing the piano and singing. And he was singing this, like, pretty neat song. And then at the end of the song, he kind of, like, said, like, in high school, I wanted to kill myself. And then that was the end of the song. And then I had to go up right after the host. And the host was just like, okay, we'll bring up Chris Lambert. And I was like, all right. And then I had to kind of, like, man, I had to address the fact that this guy was thinking about killing himself in that song. He was like, you know, you you really set in the mood for the show. Like, and I feel like the, the people here are like uh, hostages that were forced to come to the show. <laughs> like the terror, I said something like if the terrorists were nice enough to have a comedy show. And I feel like you guys are the audience. And then I just kind of like started the show that way. And then like, you know, had a, had fun with them, you know, like you just try to engage them and you try to address what the, the situation is. And then you, and then you and then you tell your jokes like and you try to and and for me like being able to be in a in a club setting sometimes and watch like I would just like if I didn't have anything to do on a Friday like at at this club I keep talking about this club but I would it was it was a good experience for me because I would go I get off of work it's near my job I'd go to a movie and then go to the show and just sit in the back and watch the show watch the headliner 
like see how they work a crowd, watch the host, the people that are more seasoned with you, like seasoned than you or better than you. Like I try to watch those people as much as I can because it raises your game. Like if you're if you're in a cipher, you know you you try to you want to look at the people that are that are better and you want to surround yourself because with those people because they they help you raise your game. So uh, what about like you know because you work right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, so do you feel like that? Uh, like do you ever get to that point where? You're doing so well in this one avenue because I feel like I get to that point all the time mm-hmm. where we're doing so well with the podcast that I'll be at work like this is bullshit. Yes, sir. Like, I don't want to be here. I'm like the most famous person in this fucking building. By, <laughs> yes, by, by landslide. Yes, like it's not even fucking close. Like I just like yes. like uh, not like there. Like why can't I just turn this thing into? Uh, uh, unlimited money supply for me and walk the fuck out of here. Like, that's the goal. I man. really want to quit and grab my dick and moonwalk all the way out of the <laughs> building. I, I, I told you, baby, when I quit, I'm going to fucking Dougie all my ass, all the way out the front door. Yeah. So, like, do you ever get that feeling? Because, you know, you're starting to get more and more uh, gigs. You're starting to get more and more paid work. You're starting to get more, uh, you know, dealing with people that are having names in the industry. Yeah. Making so connections. Do you start getting that feeling at your job? Um. Well, the the job is my bread and butter. But I do. I I my I have the same sentiments that the both of you have. Like I just look at it now as like maybe this can be a part time job. Like maybe like you know like just get trying to get more club work and 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 get more paid spots. It's just I look at it that way. Like if you you get a you do a weekend, you do a weekend in the club, like you can you can pay your bills. Like you can get tires. I got I bought tires off of like right. That's a big that came out of my head. Like it's, that's it's a big crazy. accomplishment when you're yeah. like like I remember the first time. Um, well, not the first time, but one of the times that we actually got like a big check from a sponsor. Where, you know, we did X amount of, you know, months of promoting, like, Adam and Eve or something. Yeah. So, just, you know, we just write them, like, an invoice. Like, you know, I'm writing invoices. Like, yeah. I, I, I know, thought, right? I never thought mm-hmm. that day would happen. Uh, me either. I was like, but, shit, nigga, we got to do invoices? I don't understand. Right. Uh, invoice. <laughs> like, my, this is officially a job now. Uh, I'm looking up Word, uh, Excel. Uh, templates. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm looking up templates <laughs> yeah. for the first time ever. And I'm sending them an invoice. And then magically the money that I invoiced them for appears and you know, I'm paying for like to get the car fixed with that and I'm going yeah. Well what I I wanna do this all the time. I don't wanna I don't wanna do anything else. I just wanna do this. <laughs> yeah. Some money for some shit that I love doing. Yeah, it's it's amazing, man, because it and I'm starting my parents like they've always been supportive and proud of me, but I think like within the past year and a half, like they've been like all right, like that's good. Like, did we get paid today? Did we? Did you get paid? <laughs> we got paid, not you. We. Yeah, I actually. Yeah. When my and dad I'm, was down here Friday, I remember talking to him about the show being nominated for a Stitcher Award. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's just you hang out with people and people that really know you and know how you feel are gonna bring it up because it's something you love to talk about. It's something you love to do, and yeah. you know, yeah, we have crossed that gap where it's like. Fuck man, I gotta figure out a way to do this full time because mm-hmm. this is much more fun than processing paperwork and shit. And yeah, man, you know, being in a meeting and I'll be in a meeting and I can't help myself. Sometimes I'll make a joke or two, mm-hmm. and people will laugh and they're like, "I didn't know you were funny." And I just want to be like, 
I know. You don't know. <laughs> you, <laughs> you don't have the story. <laughs> you have no fucking idea, actually. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, man. It, anyway, man, we got to move on. Okay. Um, Can I, I'm, I'm, go ahead, Karen. I, you have another question? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, when you uh come out and you do like a, a act, and for some reason it's been this quote unquote epidemic of people that want to go off on comedians and say things to comedians and slash alcohol on comedians and shit like that. Yeah. Um, what do you? What is your opinion about that? Like, cause I know you're a comedian, and I know that you have to deal with with I guess people in the crowd that kind of haggle the comedians. Heckle. Ha- oh, haggle, haggle, Lord, heckle the comedians. <laughs> hey, like, hey man, that joke is funny, but uh, I really feel like I should have only paid eight dollars to get in this club. Yeah. So. Uh, I I think I think uh, people people have we live in a world where everybody feels entitled to, to they they think they can do it too and it's and it's like it's it's a it's one of the least ex, like respected uh art art forms like being a comedian like the people think you're just up there talking like you like they made it up like you just made it up when you when you when you uh stepped on stage and it's and it, you suppose that's supposed to be one of the few places where you can speak your mind and make it funny. But also at the same time, comedians have to be uh, aware of what they're saying and accountable for what they say. Like it's, it's a meeting where people are listening to you. So it's like, it's like uh, what, it's like, I think Fonte has a line to where it's like, it's almost, I'm, I'm messing it up, but it's just like, now you got the mic. Now what? What are you gonna do now? What are you gonna do with that? Like people are listening now, right? Nigg- niggas is listening now. So what you gonna say? So it, it's you have to you have to you do have to take that and uh, be accountable for what you say. And I, I don't think like I know like Cat Williams when he said what he said he didn't apologize. So I. I appreciated that. Like, you know, he. Yeah, I actually prefer when they don't apologize. Yeah. Like, I get why you have to. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like Daniel Tosh apologized because he's connected to Comedy Central and he's making fucking millions of dollars on a TV right. show. Like, right. Like, I get why he did it. But yeah. I I actually like when people are like, you know what? Nah, I did mean that joke. And you need to lighten the fuck up because, yeah. you know, I'm not out here doing whatever the fuck you think I'm doing. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there and there needs to be a space on stage for comedians to create. Yes, Especially at these, you know, these open mics, these club joints where they're basically getting their material and testing it. Mm-hmm. There needs to be a space for comedians to test whatever the waters are yeah. and be as uh, creative and offensive as needed for the joke because that will actually tailor the joke um later so yeah. you know when you see chris rock stand-up special there's a reason that that joke is masterfully cra- crafted and it's because mm-hmm. you know he might have started at a 10 but found the perfect level at an eight for that same joke because he yeah. did do it in clubs and if we start coming down on them as audience members and saying this is not socially responsible as a comedian then all we're really doing is fucking up their ability to create, and I, I, I can't support that. Yes, me either, and it wouldn't surprise me if 
a lot of especially the larger comedians get to the point where they don't go to like the open mic nights like that they'll either just say okay this is the people that i'm allowing in here you can't tape you can't record turn off all your fucking devices i'm gonna tell my jokes sign waivers where nothing can be shared yeah you know yeah. I, I could I, I could see comedians eventually doing that because it's like look i gotta be creative and the public has taken my ability to work my jokes out in the open to the point that every time I come with something, it's instantly on Facebook, it's instantly on Twitter, it's instantly up where um, I don't get a chance, like Roger said, to craft it and to mold yeah, it and to shape it into what I, I don't want think, it to be. I don't think Ty, Dale Taj is going to roll around the country doing his rape joke hour. You know no. what I mean? So, like, let's calm down, people, and be like, okay, he made this joke, maybe it's offensive, maybe it didn't work, whatever. But let's let's stop there. Let's not be like, and I'm telling, you know what I mean? It's but too much. It's, to, but to me, that's a part of being a comedian. You know, same right. thing with acting. You know, when people go acting and they're terrible actors, people don't go, well, you shouldn't act again or you shouldn't perform that uh, well, also, performance. Also, is where you draw the line because, like, uh, and what, and I think anyone who puts stuff out for the public knows this. Yes. People draw the line at different places. Yes, they do. So while... Yeah. While we can, like, like, maybe you can find 90% of the people that agree that, like, say, Dane Cook should make a 9-11 joke, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you can find 90% of the people there. But it, it, there's people that are going to go to a Chris Lambert show and go, yeah, I, I didn't like when he brought up that part about uh, the race of such and such. Like, we're just, it's just like, wow, that some people won't be pleased with anything. We can't be appeasing these people. Nope. Yeah, it's like the people like you just mentioned, like Tosh, Rock, Chappelle, uh, Dan Cook, they can't go to, like, working at, like, Caroline's, like, Louis C.K. will drop by, do a couple nights at Caroline's to work on stuff. You know, like, he can't, he can't just... He can't go. He'll like you'll see Louis C.K. or Jim Gaffigan. They'll come to open mics to work on stuff in New York. It's just like when you tape your special, like you you lose all that material, and they start from scratch, and they'll pop up. They use those clubs like something for me. They're like, oh, this is awesome for me to work at Caroline's. I'm gonna do this joke. I'm gonna do this joke, and I'm gonna do this. Like I've prepared to do that. Like they'll they can come to. I'm just gonna work on this new thing I wrote. Uh, last night, and I'm going to do it at Caroline's. Like right. I'm not at that level to do that. So that that's them working on material. So when you see these guys in the clubs, like they're they're trying to figure it out, but they're so skilled that you almost won't really realize that. If you listen to Kevin Hart, if you listen to Kevin Hart and Chris Rock's interview on Mark Maron's WTF, like they'll they'll talk about stuff like that. Like they're they're going to these clubs and they're working on their new hour and they're they're or sometimes they'll pop into like the laugh factory and they'll they'll work on 15 minutes of material and then just you know do their thing and leave and like they a lot of times they don't announce that they're going to be at the club they just they just pop in like Hannibal Burris um has a great show at the Knitting Factory a comedian who's like on the verge he's he's huge right now in New York but he's he's like getting a claim like left and right but he has a great show um when at the knitting factory in brooklyn and he'll have a lineup of like really great comedians sometimes chris rock will stop in to do a set like two weeks ago he popped in to do a set and it just drop like it just and he's just working on stuff yeah he's just working on stuff and he's not and like when he's working on stuff he's not like loud and he's really subdued 
and he, his delivery because he's trying to see if it's funny. Right. And then he'll get to the point where it's like, okay, I think that joke might work. And then he's going to take it when he and he's doing a, a spot at a, in Atlantic City, like at a casino. Then that's when he'll be like, he'll know that he's Chris Rock, this the, this monster on stage. Right. You know, okay. so, yeah. So, all right, last question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought of this. How far do you feel you are away from recording like a special or, you know, like 30 minute CD or, you know, something where, you, you know, even if it's just something you put on Spotify or whatever, mm-hmm. like how far away do you feel like Chris Lambert is from saying I got 30 minutes and I can do, you know, a whole set and record that somehow? Mm, that's a good question. I think I'm like. I think I'm a couple years away. Like I'm not, I'm not rushing anything. I think I'm good enough right now. If somebody took a liking to me, I could do 15 minutes on a, on a uh, like a TV show, like a like a John Oliver stand-up show. I could do, I could do time on that show. I'm good enough to uh, open for uh, like a comic that you see on TV that you like. Like I feel like I feel like I'm I'm good enough to open and do like twenty five thirty minutes to open for a guy. Like I'm I'm like I that's how where I feel like I'm at right now. I don't like I see a lot of people that I like enjoy and they just put out their first album. Like Wyatt just put out his first special last year. He's in his mid thirties. You know. Yeah, I actually heard uh, Hannibal Burris's special uh, mm-hmm. on Spotify. Like yeah, whole, like a- animal furnace or the yeah okay yeah it's real good but it yeah it was like you know one of those things where you just like man this dude put together like an hour like fuck yeah, he's a national <laughs> headline like he's been doing it for like almost ten years and he's like he's he's seasoned like he's he's ready like and then his album he had an album out two years ago called um, I am Hannibal my name is Hannibal yeah that's, that's real funny too like that's like he's you know, how long how long have you been doing it chris i've been doing it three years three years okay yeah. all right well we're gonna keep track of you yeah here. we're gonna check you again about and, year uh, 10 they say, yeah. they say <laughs> seriously they say that's when most people get yeah. to the point where they be like we'll make a break yeah. right i got a long way to go like I, I the key is to just enjoy it and just uh yes and i think when something happens for me big like that like i'll be ready like i like i went to theater school and i've been debt for all this shit for performing and i think when it <laughs> i think when it <laughs> i have no family <laughs> you know i just i have a playstation 3 like I, I i think uh when it happens for me it'll be it'll it'll be like i think it'll be well deserved and people say wow that chris lambert guy you know he's he's he's, he's great he's ready and then like because and then up the last uh emotional thing i'll say is like i was i just happened to be getting ready for the show and i was on twitter and i was uh ninth i was follow i follow ninth wonder on twitter and i don't know how he got to these all this like uh deluge deluge of tweets but he was talking about like people like trying to get him to uh give them a leg up and give them a shot or whatever he was talking about how you know when he was coming up before he was ninth wonder like he was struggling like he was like living on people's sofas and making beats and he was like you know don't if you're in this for the money you got to get that off your mind it's like hone your craft and perfect your craft and 
and really, really do that, go at it. And then when you get the opportunity, like you're there, like I want to be good enough. Like when, when Wyatt, when Wyatt asked me to do his show, um, I was ready. Like I, I was ready for that moment. Hey, like, hey, Chris, how did he ask you? Well, I, he and I worked together in DC and, um, like I was booked on that show and I didn't know him and, uh, and I did well. Like I, I, I opened, I hosted that show, and and did my thing, you know. And and I said, hey man, I enjoy working with you. If you have anything coming up, um, you know, Devin would love to work with you again. And then he just said, hey, I, the show's coming up, and I was like, you know, if you're, he's like, if you want, you want to do it, you can do it. I was like, that's awesome. I, any capacity that I can um, do it. So I got to, actually got to host and feature for him. That's uh, awesome, man. It's a lot yeah, of, uh, yeah. it seems like there's a lot of like each one teach one or each one give, you know, pat, you know, uh, pass it forward type, type yeah. of. Yeah. And I'm very, like I was telling, like, I was very thankful. I told him, I was like, man, this means a lot. You know, like this is, this is a, like to him, it was just like, I'm working at Caroline's, you know, like I'm right. working on my new hour or whatever. And, uh, but for me, it was like, it was like on some eight mile shit. Like it was like, <laughs> so I was, dude, I was like in the, like I would be listening to like Kendrick Lamar and Crit and like on my way to like, before I would leave my apartment, I was just pacing around, like listening to like my mix that I listened to before I do shows. And I was just really like, like ready to go in, you know, like, like, yeah. you know, so it was just like, that was like a big deal for me. Like, and that was, I'm very like I'll always be appreciative for him for that and just anybody that's ever like given me a chance. It's like it's just important to like if you whatever you're doing, if you it's it's a struggle, but just appreciate those milestones. That's one thing that like Ninth Wonder was saying last night. If you if you go to my favorites on my Twitter account, I favored a couple of his tweets. He he was saying like if you if you have like appreciate those moments basically and. When some, a big dude, a big time dude calls you or emails you, like appreciate that and enjoy that moment. Don't, don't get a big head about it, but just really like some of those things really get you through when you're, when you, when you're struggling. Like, and, and, and it's those signs that make you say, well, yeah, you're on the right path and you, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. So I, I feel like that, like that's happening for you guys and that, that's happening for, for me. And it's just like you, as hard as life is sometimes, I think sometimes we forget like how, how much those little, those, those little things that say, yeah, you're, you're doing the right thing. You're, you're speaking doing what of, you're supposed to be doing. Speaking of doing the right thing, you listen to the Black Guy Tips, <laughs> a comedy podcast that, uh, comes on three times a week with me and my wife where, uh, the motto of the show is nothing's wrong if it's funny. Yes, sir. And uh, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, Podomatic, and Stitcher Radio. Um, you can go to theblackouttips.com, which is the easiest way to find everything about the show. Uh, you can donate to the show. You can subscribe to the show. You can go to the store. Uh, you can check out our Tumblr, all of this stuff, right from theblackouttips.com. Uh, you can do one-time donations or recurring donations. You can call the show, 704-557-0186. Leave us a voicemail throughout the week. Talk to us live Saturday mornings. Uh, you can email the show, theblackouttips at gmail.com. Um, you can donate your account, all this stuff, right from the Blackout Tips. Uh, don't forget to vote for us. We're Stitcher nominated. Yes. Go to stitcher.promotw.com 
to vote for us. If you have a Facebook account, you can vote for the Black Owl Tips as the most original podcast, uh, most original show on Stitcher Radio. Um, we want to win this thing. It would be awesome if you take the time out to do that. If you have a Facebook, if you have several hidden Facebooks that you use to cheat on your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Use those too. Use those too. We don't mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no moral judgment coming from the Black Owl Tips. Uh, we want to win it, and if we win, everyone wins. So stitcher.promotw.com, uh, figure it out, okay? It, it, click on the like button more than once if it's telling you you need to keep liking it. Yes, please um, do. And don't get an attitude with the person that's trying to help you out. <laughs> just just go ahead and do that, and uh, don't worry about it. Um, the official weapon of the show is the taser. an unofficial sport. Unofficial sport, yeah, bullet ball. And bullet ball extreme. Okay. No and this podcast is sponsored by Shadow Doll Productions Halloween sale. Ooh. Oh, ghost. Uh, from now until Halloween, you get a 20% discount if you spend $10 or more. Only $10. You spend $10 or more, then you're really only spending $8 because you get 20% off of that $10. So Woo. think about it, people. So this is the perfect time to pick up a DVD, a digital download movie, or a bunch of audio plays. There's no code to screw around with. Mm-hmm. Your discount is applied automatically mm-hmm. if you spend more than ten dollars, and you have about mm, three, four days. So do it. It's already, uh, you know, getting kind of late. It's only four days left. Get it in now. Check them out. ShadowDollProductions.com. Uh, all right, man. I got some random thoughts, and then we gotta get into some articles and stuff like that. Cool. Um, I was on my phone, and I have a uh, this uh, this app called Vivo, mm-hmm. and Vivo sends you like push notifications. Vivo is basically a application for music videos. So, like when yeah. someone releases a music video, I get a push notification. It's like, hey, uh, you know, Jay Z released this new video. Check it out here. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So I got one for Nicki Minaj and Sierra working together, and they made oh. a video. That's and, an interesting combo. Yeah, and um, in the video, Nicki Minaj was showing her ass and everything. Like it was, she was shaking her ass and all kinds of stuff. Like I remember back in the day, I don't know if you guys remember when she first came out. It was like people would talk about her ass, but you watch her videos, and they did a lot of like angles and camera work to keep you from really looking at her ass. Yeah, it's pretty a big like it was her thing. It's like she got a big ass, and you turn on the video, and it's three minutes. Of her face and her getting in a car and just like a bunch of stuff that's just like around her, her ass, ass, right? Yes. Well, now she's like really putting her ass out there, um, which I'm a fan of. Yeah. I, that's one of the reasons I really support her. Um, and I think it's because her albums and her image is starting to do worse and worse. Uh, I could so if I'm a bad person, because I want her to do worse and worse so we can get more ass shots in these videos. Mm-mm, no, no, it's, it's no, you're not, not a bad person. It's not your problem. The the issue with uh, Nicki Minaj, and this is just from my perspective, when she came out, she came out, in my opinion, as a gimmick, as just mm-hmm. a flat gimmick, a flat Barbie doll, wanna rap gimmick. And the thing is that she has had spots where you was like, okay, she's good. Uh-huh. But she was working with Kanye. Kanye worked the beat around her. Kanye right. crafted it towards her. Well, you get her album and it's nothing like yeah, it. Yeah, you get her album and it's some Katy Perry bullshit, but yet you're telling me, this is a rap album. This is not a rap album, honey. You know? Yeah. Um, so you, she lost a lot of her support in her fan base that was like, 
yes i want you to rap i want you you know to be on hardcore and then i'm getting these lollipop songs and this audience for those people but embrace that audience don't yeah, don't feel, lie to me i feel like we're too, <laughs> like we're two disappointing releases from her just like having some sort of sex tape and Probably. I need that in my life. Yeah. I need that in my life. So, yeah, I'm sorry, Nikki, but I got to root against you. Uh, I'm not buying any albums, downloading mm-hmm. all that shit, just to see if I can get a sex tape mm-hmm. out of it. I like certain songs from her, but overall, no. Even if I thought it was a five mic album, I'm at that point where I would not get it. No, not her stuff. I, I want to see her having some sex, and I'm sorry, people. It's coming. Just, I'm gonna just Do you hide her CDs at Target? Like, you put them in, like, home fashion right. by the towel so you could, like, I don't, you sabotage the Target. I take, all, I take all her CDs at Target, put them in a bin, and then ride that bin over into, like, the home improvement section. <laughs> and just, just leave a the cart there and shit and walk away. Yeah. Like, I, I don't really know her stuff that well. I know she murdered that track, that monster record. Like, right. That. That's well, you know everything everybody else knows. Then. Okay. <laughs> um, I think uh, I, I've been hearing a lot about Hurricane Sandy. Yeah. yeah. Chris, Chris, you in the past for Hurricane Sandy? You guys gonna get any weather up there? Yeah, we're we're gonna get it. Like they they say Monday morning, uh, and it's gonna be. It, they say it's gonna be pretty bad. Like people are in the grocery stores going crazy. Up That's here. what I've been hearing, man. Do y'all get it? Do y'all gonna get it? Uh, we're only getting the wind from it. Yeah, that's all we getting. And shout out to everybody up there that's preparing and stuff like that. And yeah. shout out to the people in Canada because they said something about a tsunami. Damn. Um, out in, in Canada? Mm-hmm. Damn. Shit. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it started in Hawaii and it rolled over to Canada. So shout out to those people for the people up there, you know. And the, and the thing about it is that for those of you people that are not prepared, we get we get hurricanes often, so we are kind of more prepared well, than people that don't. not often, Karen. We're in Charlotte, North Carolina. We got... A hurricane that reached into here from like well, well, I mean the twice. state of like, North Carolina, like the outer yeah, coast, like they get it say, often. We, Charlotte, we don't give the shit here. We're gonna die. Like nobody's prepared. <laughs> but even though people panic and go get bread and all this shit, like it's a fucking eighteen hundreds. Like yeah, uh, it, it, you know it's kind of ridiculous. I think the reaction to them, but yeah, um, yeah. I I realize. Look, I, okay, I accept the hype is not gonna go down for these hurricanes, right? People are going to be overreacting to the hurricanes no matter what. It's like Hurricane Sandy's coming. It's going to be the Apocalypse Storm 2000. We got to go fucking get bread. We got to, like, kick a little kid down if they're in line in front of us ah! and stomp them. Act and like take, we ain't never ate before. Yeah, take, right. the, take the bottled water from their cold, dead, lifeless hands. Uh, going to be a whole lot of egg and cheese sandwiches. Yeah, to feed our family. Shit like that, right? I get it. Yeah. So I'm thinking... Uh, we're not going to change the overreaction, so why don't we change the naming system, right? Okay. I think all hurricanes should be named after NFL players. <laughs> the, the full name of the NFL player, because like if you told me Hurricane Sandy was coming, I wouldn't really know how serious that is. True. But if you told me Hurricane DeBrickashaw Ferguson was coming, oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, fuck, I need to get to a store. Yeah. That shit is getting real, dog. Hurricane Ray Lewis is supposed to hit Florida this weekend. Oh, shit. Y'all better brace yourselves. You dead. You dead. You can't get I'm, I'm, a, I'm evacuating, Chris. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I am leaving town <laughs> until Hurricane Ray Lewis is done with the beach. Yeah. It's going to inspire you so much, and then it's going to kill you. 
Right. Yeah, you know, cause, yeah. <laughs> it's going to deliver. It's going to stop about uh, ten miles off the coast and deliver a hell of a pregame speech. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and see, if you told me Hurricane Carolina Panthers defense was coming, right. I wouldn't even move. It works both ways. I'd be like, like you know what? Fuck it. Where, where am I going? It, it ain't wor- gonna hurt. It me. works both ways because for the more like lighter hurricanes. You know, like the tropical storms and stuff that aren't, don't look like they're going to have a lot of potential. We can also name them shit that, you know, is not going to be good. It's like, oh, Hurricane Jamarcus Russell is supposed to hit the West Coast, but don't worry about that shit. Her Hurricane Beanie Wells, well, we know it, it's, it's going to, you know, fall out before it gets here. It won't, it won't make <laughs> it to the coast. With the Jamarcus Russell, you just, instead of sandbags, you just put out, like, Robitussin and, <laughs> and it'll just, like, die at the coast. Yeah, <laughs> I feel bad. I feel bad for making that joke because I'm like sentimental towards my black quarterbacks. Like I, yeah, like, me too. I have like a blind, un, unlike ethical, like just I, I hurt for Cam, for Cam Newton too. It ain't all his fault though. I, you know, the funny thing is, I have no problem with, uh, and it's gonna sound like is is like is like I'm a hypocrite, but I'm not. I actually have no problem with people liking quarterbacks because of race. Mm-hmm. My main problem is they won't admit it. True. Right. Like, I have no fucking, like, I will openly admit I root for black quarterbacks. Like, yeah. in the back of my mind, I'm still hoping Carson Palmer gets hurt. Like, I was, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, can my man from Ohio State get a little bit of shine? That's all I'm asking. I think he could do something out there. Terrell Pryor yeah. it needs, needs a couple snaps. So I, you know, I openly root for. I just hate when white people try to act superior to us, like they don't see race when clearly they see race. It's like there's no reason to think Jay Cutler has a better attitude than Cam Newton, other than he's white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and when you talk about color, you know, it was like Brent Farr, he was a prime example of, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Older white man loving an older white band playing football. I had no issue with that. I had no problem with you rooting him. Rooting for him, I like Brent Farr, but the problem Brent Farr. Oh, Brent, Brent Farr. Farr. <laughs> Don't I test his name up. Oh, Jesus. But uh, the problem I have with it is that when somebody tells you you like him because he's white, no, no, no. Yes, you do. Yes, you oh, do. Oh, yeah. Like, in, in, at work, like, people are like, oh, Chris, are you, you're from Maryland. Do you like Baltimore and the Redskins? I said, I, this is before RG3, but I would just say, I just root for all the black quarterbacks. And they, they were like, oh, I, and they don't know what to say. They're like, oh, well, I, I believe this country is a melting pot, and I think that we can all get along <laughs> if we, we listen right. to each other and have. I, I, it's just like I don't know. It's just because I feel like they don't get the chance. You see all these solid black quarterbacks in the in college doing well, and you mean to tell me they can't run a team? And it's just like it just pisses me off, man. And right, I, but- I, I I'm upset about Michael Vick. Like it's mm-hmm. like I think his offensive line is like backed by PETA, like to like really like ruin him. <laughs> and they need a new coach. I agree. Yeah. Roger went on a rant on Hot Fire Starter about uh, Andy Reid. And I think, yes, they need to fire his ass. Find that defensive court that they can fire everybody else on the team. But as long as he out there calling pointless times out, timeouts and wasting y'all challenges, you, you're going to be in the same situation. Yeah, and they got a great running back and they don't use him. Yeah, don't get me started. Don't, okay, I, I'm sorry. It's a I'm Sunday. Sorry. Yeah. Probably going to win tonight. We're coming off a of bye week. We're going to play Atlanta. I'm gonna try to stay positive. All right. Um <laughs> but yeah, name that hurricanes at the NFL players. I think Hurricane Mike Vick is a lot scarier than Hurricane Sandy. Um 
So, uh, all right, and and this is uh, not for this is for the fellas. All right, um, I'm starting to feel this feeling like, uh, and I, I think I understand women now more than I did before. Oh, um, I feel like having to piss, like that feeling of having to piss, like real bad, mm-hmm. is the same thing as a woman's period. Now, let me explain. <laughs> Get a lot of uh, hate for that. Uh, because if you ever like try, because I try to hold my piss. Like I don't like to just. It's not healthy. I like to go to the bathroom and just have mm-hmm. to like just a torrent of urine come through from me. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I'm on camera with a 15 year old. That's how I like to feel. Like oh lord, I drank lots of Gatorade for this moment. Um, so I feel like I become a complete bitch when I have to piss. Like. I lose all time for kindness, uh, courtesy. <laughs> that that shit don't matter to me no more. Um, I just need to piss, and everything is fucking up my time. We were in the dollar store yesterday, and I had to piss, and Karen went and peed in the dollar store bathroom, which uh, I don't know. I didn't have a choice. I had to pee. I don't know why, but peeing in a dollar store bathroom seems worse than peeing anywhere else. Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I did the crouch thing. I was pissing all over that toilet. Fuck that. I wasn't spitting my ass on that There's shit. There's no rhyme or reason to that. For I didn't even I know dollar stores course. had bathrooms. Yeah, Karen knew. She's like, oh, they got the bathroom. She was sure of it. She was like, <laughs> like, and the thing is, we both had to piss, but I had to like, I, I had that look of judgment like, nigga, you pissing in a dollar store bathroom? I was like, nigga, my bladder say go now or you will be pissing right here in the fucking dollar store. Yeah. So I went to the bathroom. I decided to hold it. No, so, I was not holding it. Mm-mm. You know, I, I, you know, we're in line waiting, you know, at the dollar store. And uh, I like the dollar store because, you know, $20, I feel like a motherfucking baller. Yes. I'm like, you know what? Like, the dollar store is the only store where I'm like, you know what? Throw some uh, throw some car freshener in there. Some air freshener. Yes, I will pick up shit I don't need. Why? Because yeah. the shit is only at another dollar. You know what? This uh, I've never had a potato masher. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's put a potato masher in there. Yes, that one of us. October. Right. Yeah. Get what you want, girl. Get what you want. You know what I'm saying? Look around, baby. Uh, anything you want, put it in the buggy. We fine. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Potato masher. Just say that again, Chris. I just did cheese on the potato masher. Like that's just like that's like used to be the standard thing. Like, girl, get whatever you want. Get 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 cheese on it. You can get cheese. Extra cheese. Yeah, you get that extra cheese, girl. It's nothing. So, so, you know, we're in there and, um, this lady in front of us in line decides that this is the moment that she needs to teach her kid about money. And, uh, even Ah! though they're together Mm -hmm. and the line is long as shit, she makes him, she's like, uh, he wants to buy this pack of gum and he wants to pay for it himself. And the guy at the register's like, uh, you got, are y'all together? And she's like, yeah, we're together, but he's paying for this with his own money. Mm -hmm. So, it's a dollar oh seven, you know, with the added with the tax and all that. And the kid gives him like a dollar twenty five and then the kid's gotta take a couple minutes to count the change between twenty five and seven to make sure that the number is right and he's not getting cheated. And all I was thinking was, This is not the time to teach your kid about no. money. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. that nigga learn mama ain't made out of money. I have to piss. Now your kid is already in the dollar store he is going to be in years and years of <laughs> debt to society there's never going to be a time as soon as this kid gets introduced to a credit card he's going off the rails 
why are you wasting this time <laughs> trying to teach this little black boy what, how to count? Well, if if that's the issue, what about the the uh, the people in front of her where the cashier was having a full fledged fucking conversation? Yeah, of, about the hurricane. I'm like, nigga, we in North Carolina. Shut the fuck up. Yes, that 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 got on my nerves. Well, that's when I realized that I must have been on my period. Uh, <laughs> because I was losing my fucking mind in line. Like, it's like really, nigga, you got to talk about. The hurricane and how you used to live in D.C. nine years ago. I don't give a fuck. I have to piss. Everyone pay for that shit and shut the fuck up. And I was I was like, this must be what women feel like when they're cramping and shit. I get it now. So See? Karen, I apologize. <laughs> I understand why you get an attitude and all that stuff. It makes sense to me. I try my best not to. I try my best to put my patience cap on when I really do. I was a complete bitch to everybody. <laughs> Like Karen was trying to talk to me about something when we got in the house. She's like, "Yeah, uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna go down to your mom's house and get my hair done. You think I need to do?" That? I was like, "Ah, I got this." Close the bathroom door. Shut up. I don't care. Those bodily like, functions will bring you down to earth quick, no matter how how much how cool right. you think you are. You still got to take a shit. It's the great equalizer, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like so. I don't I, you know I don't get mad at women that get attitudes and they have periods now because. On my uh, period, I definitely was out of my fucking mind. Yeah, and it, it ain't no joke because that, that pressure ain't no joke. And, and the thing about it was that I already had to pee, and I thought we was going home, and you divert to the doctor. You're like, fuck it, I'm going to piss. You didn't go home, yeah. I got to piss. She didn't tell me either, y'all. I no. went home. Um, all right, so another thing, man. I was playing ball the other day, and <laughs> this old man told me, like, hey, boy, I'm going to play you for your, for your headband. <laughs> it's like nigga we didn't make no agreement on this wager like what <laughs> like what do i so win weird. yeah it was weird right it's like what do i win if i if i if i if i beat you what do i win nothing right so he's like i'm playing for your head boy and all this shit and he was with these other two kids and shit they were balling and uh the wager is this so we beat him and uh when i walked out the door i was holding my headband up on one finger it was all sweaty and shit and then the other thing I was doing, the Matumbo finger wag. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I just made sure he saw that. And uh, so then one of the kids he was with was like, um, and I thought they looked a little familiar, like I might have played ball with them before. And uh, one of the kids was like, hey, man, you still stay off of Providence. And uh, we did used to stay off Providence. So I was like, uh, no, we actually moved to shit. And I realized, uh, and I think this happens to a, a lot of dudes that play ball or if you're in a situation with people that, you know, uh, might need a ride and shit. There's an awkward moment in your mind where you think someone really cares about you and then you realize they just need a ride somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I hate that moment, man. That is a terrible moment, man, because I thought for a second that this dude remembered me and cared about me and like was mm-hmm. cool with you me. You want to know where you going in the direction he was going in? Yeah, he's like, you still stay over there? I was like, nah, man, we actually moved, dog. So you know, I you know, you know, it's cool seeing you again and thanks for asking, but yeah, we moved and you know, how shit is life is tough. You gotta, and he's like, yeah, man, because you know, you stay anywhere about that because you know, I'm going that way. And I was like, oh, nigga. You don't care about me. <laughs> so did you give him a ride or you just let him? Yeah, he just wanted me to be like, 
Yeah, and then he was gonna be like, "Cool, cause we stay over there." That's what he was gonna say, man. Uh, and you know what? Over there mean over there can mean five minutes to twenty five minutes. No, yeah. I'm not taking you no fucking way. Over, you hate to be like that. Over mm. there means somewhere in North Carolina. That's, That's all that it means. means in the city of Charlotte. You That's all that means. You mm. cannot trust people without cars. If they say they no. need a ride, it's like cool. I stay right by there. If right by there means twenty seven minutes up the street, it's like no, Mm-mm. fuck you. But. Yeah, man, I hate when people do that, man. Where they they approach. I remember one time I was uh at my old job, and this girl, I was in the cafeteria getting something to eat, and this girl walked up to me and she's like, "Hey, Rod, how are you doing?" I was like, "Cool," and she never talks to me or whatever, but you know, I was like, "That's cool," and, and she was attractive too, so it was even more like, "This is awkward. Like, this is kind of weird that this yes. attractive woman's coming out of nowhere to talk to me." And she's like, well, how you been doing? Blah, blah, blah. How's your job? I was like, oh, everything's cool. You know, this is, you know, this is pretty weird that uh, this attractive lady comes talk to me. I know. And she, and she goes, yeah, um, well, you know, uh, have you ever had to get, you ever gotten a wreck? And I was like, gotten a wreck? Mm-mm, no. So we ever need a lawyer, you know, for anything? I was like, uh, no, not really. She's like, well, you should think about it because I, am um telling people about prepaidlawyer.com and what you can do oh, i was yes. like bitch i thought you cared about me oh they've been they've been questioning your hopes and dreams you don't care about me no, at all no no i got you know no i got i got i got family members i love them very dearly but i don't even return phone calls because every time they call me they own a hustle Mm. So I don't, I don't, I don't return calls. I don't call back. I, I don't, I, I, I don't even took that name off the call ID, so I won't even pick up. What a mm-hmm. jerk, man! This is terrible, man. People aren't ain't shit, man. Um, um. So all right, another thing, man. We've been watching a lot of Batman, the animated series lately. Yes. Are you guys watching that on Netflix or what? How are you guys watching that? It's on. It comes on this channel called The Hub. Hub. On our cable station, okay. and I just set it to record at one o'clock every morning when it comes on. I just go through and watch those, and uh, really, I really do feel like this might be the best show ever in the history of TV. Yeah, it, you know what? Like even over the wire, which I, you know, I feel is blasphemy, and people. I hope Omani Jones doesn't hear that. Well, I, I, well, let me check the chat. I don't think Bo's listening. I think we might be all right, but this <laughs> time, <laughs> or but, Jason yeah. Whitlock. Yeah, but it's one of those shows where it's like it created its own like um it created everything and it dealt with very adult themes yes it did but it didn't really cross a line like you don't have to you can be a kid and understand it on one level but when you're an adult you understand it on a completely different level yes you do and i remember it came on years ago and i watched them but going back i realized it's been years since i've seen them and there were a lot of episodes that i never seen or i i think i never watched them as an adult yeah so it makes so my perspective and how i view them is kind of different like i didn't know that the uh lady that's with joker was a made-up character yeah harley quinn yeah was a made-up character through this and they just ran with her and she became so popular that they like added her into future comic books they added her you know into the batman games and all that stuff because i looked at roger i was like hey she in the comic book roger was like no i was like no what you mean she went in the comic i always assumed she was in the comic books yeah they they even changed several characters origins and yes um, they did that like that's the thing about it is like they turned every villain into a compelling greek tragedy and yeah. that actually gives you a sympathy towards the villains that makes it much more understanding of their motivation and that's why that show was great 
Mm-hmm. Uh, many shows don't even take the time to consider the villain as a person. It's just like, no. I'm evil and I want to rule the world. But this is a show where it's like, oh, yeah, uh, um, you know, Har- Harvey Dent was bullied as a child and mm-hmm. he created like a, a split personality that dealt with all of his, you know, um, all these situations Wait. where he had to be aggressive. He was about to get married. He's trying to hunt down these criminals. He gets blackmailed. Uh, because he's running for DA again and, um, they find these, this criminal finds out about his, you know, uh, the fact that he has a therapist and he has this, this, his secret therapy records of having a second, second personality. So like, there's all this complex shit and then he gets turned into Two-Face and there's like a, you feel bad. Like you feel like yes. fuck, man. Like, I, like, I understand why Batman would rather save Two-Face than kill him, you know, like, yeah. and and that shit matters to me, man, and I, it's what makes the show great, and I urge everybody as, as an adult, like, you should go back and rewatch watch this show, because you have no much, you have no idea how much shit is in there yeah, that lot, you didn't think about. A lot of character development, yeah. uh, and a lot of character development about villains, about a lot of gangsters he deal with, a lot of uh, re- recurring villains that constantly come back, and every time they come back, you learn something new about them, you learn more history about them, and go into more depth about them in the background, like it went through this whole story about the Joker, and how he came to, to and Poison Ivy, and how she came yeah, to. Every, everyone's origin story is sympathetic no one's origin story is i'm i'm gonna be the best villain in town so i'm watching this shit you know i'm having a good time and i started thinking like watching all these villains and all the stuff they're doing and it's like some of the techno technological advances they're making are just like off the charts how many batman villains could have made millions of dollars with scientific grants and other (laughs) endeavors (laughs) But they turned it down to be a criminal. True. It's like well, I found a way to to create like bat DNA and combine it with human tissue and turn humans into like half bat half half humans. Now I'm gonna rob some banks. Well, it's it's because something is a little off. I think you I think you're absolutely right. I remember loving the the series when I was a kid, uh, and and they the bad guys are. Sometimes they're more interesting. Like, they're the most compelling character because Batman or most of the good guys are just like, I'm saving people and this is what I'm going to do and, yep. and that's it. But, like, and I think that's what Christopher Nolan tapped in, at least with the Dark Knight and, and just, like, just did his thing. But I think that's what you see a lot, like, with him in Breaking Bad. I don't know if you guys watch that show. No, but I, I don't watch Breaking, Breaking Bad, but I heard okay. good, good things. things about him. Yeah. Too. It's like you you get to this point where this guy is a, is real, a genius mind and he's working with this group and he had the chance to do certain things and then he just he chose another path. Like that's all I'll say. But for people that but, watch the show, like, know, the thing yeah. I've always said about Batman is he has the most interesting cast of rogues in yeah. all in all of comic books and. Mm-hmm. Him, he himself is not that interesting. Like, right. he's a broken, psychotic motherfucker. Like, we get that. But you get that after, like, you find out his parents get killed. Like, you yeah. understand his brokenness. But but as far as what compels his villains, he's by far the most interesting comic book character, um, in my opinion. So, yeah, I just, I've always thought that about him. He's kind of boring by himself, but you throw in somebody 
that test his limits and now all of a sudden he becomes interesting. That's yeah. what makes him good. Yes, and also I think for me, watching it as an adult, you realize a lot of sexual stuff that happens. Yeah, there's a whole lot a, of sexual A, a lot of uh, uh, um, language like that, you know, yeah. a lot of coming on to, like... A lot of innuendos. Yes, like uh, Harvey Quinn is her name. like Harley Har- Quinn. Harley Quinn. Man, the whole time, she basically threw herself at the Joker. She, like, sent his henchman off to do a pointless job. He comes back. She's, like, halfway naked in the cake, you know, basically wanting to have sex with him. He was like, beat it, bitch. I'm thinking about the Batman. Yeah, I think Joker wanted to fuck Batman. I'm pretty sure. He probably did. What what was Harley Quinn's story? Like, what was her origin? She was the Joker's, uh, when he was in prison, she was the therapist assigned to him as like rehabilitating him and dealing with his issues and the joker's so manipulative that he actually turned her into being sympathetic towards him Mm -hmm. and used that to get her on his side to help him break out and all this stuff and she became obsessed with him and 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 started agreeing with his perspective that batman's the real villain here and he's just a victim and all this shit so It's, but that's a complex thing to put in a 30 minutes kid cartoon. You yes, know? it is. Um, all right. Another thing I was going to say. Uh, last night, uh, we went to go see my coworker, Devin, Devin uh, perform. Live. I saw that tweet. I saw the tweet last night. Oh, she was very good. We yes, got there was. late uh, because Man, GPS. the iPhone GPS series, like, fuck you. Um, I tell you where to go. And uh, it was very difficult to get there. And we got there like 30 minutes late. We only got to see like the last 15 minutes of a set, but it was great. Yes, it was. Um, I played her music on the show before. It's on Spotify. Check out Neon Night by Devin Elizabeth. And Devin is spelled D-E-V-O-N. Um, but she's an uh, outstanding performer. Very mm-hmm. good. Her, her music is uh, awesome. And she's back in the studio working on her second album. And one day I do want to have her on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but we went to see her perform live and, and we were so lost that it became a point to make it there. Like, yes, I was like, I don't give a fuck if we're 30 minutes late and we're only going to see 10 minutes of a set. We're going to make it. We're so lost. Like I need to be here. Like we were circling the block. Uh, the Siri was changing directions on us. Like in mid fucking, like the, it would be like, walk this way. Uh, wait a minute. Turn around and walk the other way. Yes, and, <laughs> and we were going down the road, and Siri would be like, turn here, but here is a one-way street, and I see the big old, I can't turn left, but you're telling me to turn oh. left. And then it was one of those things where it was kind of between two buildings. So when you were going, you would pass it, and when you pass it, it would be like, you passed the location. It's 200 <laughs> feet behind you. Fuck, it's 200 feet. Where the hell is it? Oh, yeah. man. Because you're downtown, and you got to find parking. Yeah. More than you have to find, like, where the location right. is. So, you know, I, maybe they should change that in, in all these MapQuest apps and stuff and change it to, oh, you say you want to go here. Well, here's the parking for this place. Yes. And th- we'll guide you to the parking, and then you can figure out how to get, get the walk to there. But, yes, and then we saw this guy, and um, he was, I believe, hopefully I'm not wrong on this, but he was, like, a white or, well, Jewish gay dude that was also a rapper and mm-hmm. a song singer and he was shit. excellent and um this motherfucker got up there and starts performing and he's like yeah i got some rap i'm gonna do and uh we're like okay i'll give it a shot i guess but 
you know you're not assuming that this uh tiny jewish dude is about to rock the mic uh, and uh he rocked the mic dog like, yes he had dope beats playing he was going at it like he was spitting dude i was uh completely uh, uh, uh taken aback by his ability to rock the mic and then like um he did a song about gay marriage and um mm-hmm. he's like it's very near and dear to my heart and i assume it's because he was with a i mean he was sitting very close to this other dude and they both seemed kind of uh at least very minimal metrosexual so i'm assuming they were gay yeah, yeah um and uh i i felt this uh, weird feeling inside where i wanted them to know that i was okay with that <laughs> i didn't know how to do it like it's it like two of the only black people in the room is like very important to me that he's like that i'm like no i support you and not just artistically like yeah <laughs> i voted for your amendment sir like i didn't know what to say but uh <laughs> want to make out what are you yeah, right. <laughs> I, I'll let you blow me. Uh, just it proves that I'm not uh, homophobic. But uh, it, it was really cool, man. He was great, and yes, um, was. it was just uh, it was a nice night out, man. And uh, yeah. you know, it's just like a little bookstore um, that they were performing in, and uh, it, I thought it was really cool, man. It was a nice little uh, vibe with the different people and stuff, and. Um, yeah, I, I I had a great time and uh I did too. I had a wonderful time and you know what? I am so glad I'm I'm always prepared because yes, I had up. some heels uh-huh. and I and something said take take some flats just in case. I'm so glad I did because we walked about five blocks <laughs> trying to find oh, this place and yeah. I would have been pissed if I'd had heels on. Yeah, we were looking like Professor L C H after that presentation. Walk around in them hills downtown, like, hold up now. How long I gotta go? I jumped in. I'd have had to stab somebody with him. Yeah, but yeah, it, it was a great time, man. And, uh, it was cool. Like, I normally don't go to live music performances and stuff. It was but, uh, worth it. It was really worth it, man. It was a great night out, man. Um, some of the best times to go, like those venues like that, like coffee shops, and you hear some really talented people. Yeah, man, it's crazy how much talent is out there in the world that you just don't it, fucking know about it. Uh, yes. Um, all right, another thing I wanted to have Chris on to specifically talk about this. Kendrick Lamar's album. Oh, shit. Good, good kid, <laughs> Mad City. Um, I got to say, man, first of all, I feel like this album is a masterpiece. Yeah. You know, I feel like uh, the the dude... It's so rare what we're watching happen with this guy because uh, you see a guy put together, so, like, this is his third official album. Mm-hmm. You normally do not see dudes open up like this on that three albums in. Yeah. You're starting to feel like, yo, I know this guy. I grew up with this guy, basically. I I understand this guy. Um, most guys do that on their first album and then never again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like, uh, first album, now I'm rich, so I got rich to... <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Uh, you're broke and uh, identify with this. But uh, Kendrick really opened up. Um, I feel like he created a tight narrative. I create. I feel like he created a screenplay and an album in the same fucking thing. Um, yeah. And uh, it's, it's what a concept album should aspire to be. Yeah. I think a lot of artists call that shit concept albums and it's not. Yeah. No. You know. And, and I agree. And also... The thing that I really enjoy about Kendrick, and they talked about this in West My 40 Acres, is where he can get to the people's intellect, and he also can get to the people that, like, are hood. Like, 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 so it's like he crossed, this is one of the first albums that crossed all boundaries, where people can, can bump, you know, they, they, they rocking with their homies. Yeah. 
and be respected in the streets and somebody like one of us could listen to it and understand that it's it's a deeper concept to it. And it's very, very rare that you get an all-around album that's welcomed by everybody, if that makes sense. It was one of them albums where, like Roger said, if you told somebody the concept, they would look at you crazy. But if you played the beats, they would be like, wow. And I think for me personally, I was already a fan of Section 80. Like I, yeah. I think Section 80 was my first time actually hearing Kendrick Lamar. I was like, okay, cool, I'm in. But Excuse me, when I heard that another album was coming, I was like, okay, cool. But I actually uh, started listening to it, and it's, excuse me, one of those few albums where I don't skip a song, where the flow is like, it flows from one song to the next song to the next song without skipping a beat, without missing a beat. It, it, you know, I don't see any lacking in any of the choruses. I don't see any lacking in any of the skits. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, and, and for me, I was, it, I guess for me, I was already a fan. It just made me a bigger fan of his. And it's one of the things where it's like, well, you in your 20s. It's like all you're going to do is grow. So it's like, wow, what can I expect from you in the future? So, Chris, what do you think of the album? Uh, I, I think, like you said, it's a masterpiece. And I, like I listened to you on uh, Bo's uh, show on the evening Jones. And I, I think you handled it well. Cause Bo, like I love Bo, but like he'll, he'll say, well, I didn't, but he said it was a fantastic album. So he likes it, but I just, I just liked your take on it. How you said it was, uh, you have to look at it. Maybe if it's not a classic, it's a personal classic. Like you already know what it means for you. And I, I just don't think we've, I don't think we've really seen anybody like this guy. Like, not not to say that he's not. You can definitely see the Outcast influence. You could see Andre three thousand yes. in him. But it's it's like I don't think I don't think my favorite rappers have done what he's done with this album. Like I I just I, and 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 a lot. I think a lot of people are afraid to say it. Like I'm just going to express my opinion. I, I think it's a great. It's it's a classic album. I mean, like this guy. When I first heard of him, I heard of I heard um, "Cut You Off" uh, off of "Overly Dedicated," and then I heard Michael Jordan, and I was just like, "Oh, okay, this kid is good." And I downloaded the the e- "Overly Dedicated," and when he when he was rapping over that the intro to um, uh, the roots from "How I Got Over," I was like, "Jesus Christ!" I was thinking like somebody when I heard "How I Got Over" by the Roots, like that first intro track, I was like. Somebody should be rapping over this. And then Kendrick Lamar a few months later, and I was like, this guy's really good. And then I kind of put the output overly dedicated away, then I picked it up again. I was like, this guy's really good. And then he put out Section 80. I'm like, this, this kid is amazing. Right. And, like, I knew, like, I knew, like, I'm jealous of people that are listening to Kendrick Lamar for the first time with Good Kitty, Good Sick, Good Kitty, Good Kid, Mad City, because they get to go, they're going to get to experience Section 80 overly dedicated in the EP. Because it's just like the what he did with this album. It's somebody tweeted like it's like Boys in the Hood, Minister Society, yes. South Central, all into one. And he, I I tweeted this earlier this week. I said he's he's essentially the the Christopher Nolan of hip hop right now. Like yeah, I'm not even. Here's the thing. I'm not jealous of those people. And here's why, because I'm seeing that a lot of people, um, I'm feeling like, and this is one of my concerns with the album, 
It's really not the album, but it's the hype surrounding the album, I guess. My concern is that people um, think they get it and they don't. And then they're going to end up kind of turning on the album like, well, people got hype about Frank Ocean and this isn't the same. You know, this, it was just hype and people don't, you know, whatever. It's totally I, different. You can't compare it. Yeah, well, I, I do feel like there is some sort of like, and maybe, you know, and you know what, this could just be me being uh, paranoid about my own taste. You know, throughout my life, the, the music that I've really appreciated has not been the mainstream music. Like, it's always been a little left of mainstream where they got yeah. a little bit of respect, but not the actual, like, treatment that a lot of the consumable uh, stuff that is put out there, like, say, a Snoop Dogg would get. Oh, yeah. So... And I've always had a little bit of disdain for those acts, to be quite honest. Like, I've always been like, yeah, Snoop Dogg's okay, but he really ain't talking about shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lil Jon is, is cool, but he ain't talking about shit. Like, I would, I'm not anti, I'm not opposed to playing that in my ride or anything like that, but the end of the day, if you ask me who's a better rapper, I'm not, that, that name will never come up. It, out of a hundred rappers, you'll never hear me mention that person, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, out of a hundred rappers, you'll never hear me mention Young Jeezy. As a great rapper, it's just not gonna happen. I don't give a fuck about his beats, and I can jam to his courses. I, it does not move me in yeah. the slightest. Um, and uh, you know, I've always said that for me, my my first musical, like dealing with the world, is probably uh, listening to Common's Resurrection. Everybody in the car listening to Big's Ready to Die. We listened to Ready to Die for a month straight. They asked me, "Hey, what's in your Walkman?" How come you never listen to Ready to Die? And I said, well, it's a common resurrection. They put it in the tape. They played one and a half songs. They told me, take this whack shit out of here. Yeah. So that's my experience with most people. So I maybe I'm jaded, uh, feeling that most people aren't going to get this album. And they're going to, I feel like a lot of them are caught up in the hype, but they don't actually appreciate the album. They just think that it's, you know, it's kind of the thing to like right now. But yeah. As far as understanding the depth of what Kendrick is saying on, uh, you know, a song like Sing About Me, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if they get that you can take this back to Section 80 and you can and you can break down like, okay, this is a third perspective on the yeah, two yeah. perspectives that he was talking about. I don't know if they understand or appreciate that, you know. Um, so I, I do worry about uh, the album's critical, what kind of critical acclaim it'll get because... I don't believe people. Like I just, I, 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 I hope I'm wrong, and I hope everybody does get it, and they do appreciate this guy as, a, as one of the best uh, storytellers, one of the best craftsmen, one of the best like, just uh, lyricists of our time. I really do hope they get it, but then part of me is like, but why would they now in 2012? Yeah. And, and understand. Al- and also, I think people hear music, but they don't really listen to music. Yeah. Which to me, I think makes a big difference because one thing about you, Roderick, you get a lot into lyrics. Like, what are they saying? What's their their theme? What what are they trying to get across to you? You mentally uh, think about music, and when a lot of people listen to music, they don't. A right. lot of people don't. So that's how a lot of times you can have terrible ass music that's like selling the number one on the charts and not saying shit because the average person, it's sad, really don't care. Um, right. but the thing I said, I do like to think, I, I think, and I might be wrong, but I think that, that with this album, like I said, he has done something special. He yeah. has made it to where the people that don't give a shit about nothing but beats, he got them covered. 
and the people that care about message, he got them covered too. Yeah. So I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. So I, like I said, I, I really hope that you're wrong. I hope that, that it's one of the albums where it's accepted by everybody because he's crossed all the boundaries. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I, 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 hope so, I don't want to be right about this. Yeah. But I worry, man. Like, I, I just worry, dude. Like, to me, as much as I love this album, Section 80 was a masterpiece. Yes, and, it was. You know, it just didn't catch on like it should have. You know, like this shit. Like, I hope people go back and appreciate Section 80 after this album. And yeah, I am kind of laughing at people and judging people when they say the shit about, you know, uh, well, I don't, I don't see why, you know, this out, this song right here, I don't get what the point of it is. It's like, well, nigga, if you've been paying attention, yeah. it, the point is, you know, this thing, or it relates to this other song earlier in the album, or, you know, shit like that. We just like, are you listening or are you just skimming through this music, man? Yeah, so, and, and, and the thing I that, worry about the public perception of that. Yes, and the thing that frustrates me is that we live in a society where everybody want to catalog shit quick. They don't want to listen. They just want to roll it one time, form an opinion, and, 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 get, and be the first one to rate it or say whatever they need to say about it when they really, literally have not really listened to shit. They just want to be the first on it. And a lot of times, stuff that they shitted on, they will actually go back and like it enjoy but if you go back and say well nigga you know three months ago when i was reading your tweets you said it was bullshit now every time i see it you just popping up in your spotify thing on your tweet line they won't never go back and say well my opinion has changed yeah, yeah. i think that's what bothers me is like how the fuck did you not like section 80 but now you like this or just yeah. the, even this idea and i shouldn't feel like this because it's always good for an artist to get exposure but part of me is like why the fuck did you listen to this album i guess that's my point is like I'll see people tweeting about it, and I'm like, you never liked Kendrick before now. What about this album that made you even listen because you knew he wasn't your thing? But now, you're, now you feel compelled to tell me how much of not your thing he is. And it's like, I don't need to, like, what, what about you felt that you needed to inform the world that he's still not your thing even after dropping an album that many people are referring to as classic and a masterpiece. If he's not for you and you don't get him, why would you get him today and you didn't get him years ago? Yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of like people. It's a lot of fear circling around an album like this for people to really make a an opinion on it. And I, I noticed like I was talking to some guys last night outside of a comedy club and, and they were like, oh, that Kendrick is where it's at. And one guy was like, "I like it, but uh, I don't. I didn't like it as much as I did as I thought I would." Or and then we just started talking about like breaking down the songs and and everything, what he was talking about, the skits and everything like that. And then he was like, "Well, uh, I guess I actually do love it." And he didn't like he didn't want to admit that like this kid that he's he's great. It's like you don't. You don't you don't get guys like Kendrick Lamar every every year every. It's a once in a lifetime, a generation type thing, and like I'm, I'm a a chubby kid from Southern Maryland. I have no affiliation to the West Coast. I listened to this album, and it it transported me to eighth grade, like my junior high school years, when when those movies like Menace to Society, those those classic iconic movies came out and like mc8 like when mc8 was on this fucking album i was like yeah. are you serious like and like i guess also what is the resistance to loving something 
I don't like know. You, you, like, what is it inside of you that hears, oh, other people love this. Let me go tell them why they shouldn't. Yeah. Like, just, like, when people, like, that's the thing. I don't like Young Jeezy. When people say, oh, this new look Young Jeezy album is hot, I don't, like, go hit them up and go, yeah, this shit is whack. Yeah, I like, just I just leave them alone. I yeah, feel like if you enjoy something, it's something that you enjoy. And when Chris was talking about going going back, I know for me, being, you know, over here down south, I know with Kendrick Lamar being on the West Coast, to me, it introduced me to a lot of West Coast stuff. Like, I know you've, yeah. we've had Dre and Snoop Dogg and all that stuff, but for me, the younger rappers as far as the West Coast goes. Yeah. So, to me, you know, whoop de whoop I had no idea what that means. You know, I know that's yeah. my oldest, too. But for me, it, it, it introduced me to, like, the culture in, from, a, from a younger perspective. Yeah. Right, right man. Like, anyway, I think the shit is dope. I think people should be checking it out. Um, all right, let's move on to one more major thing before we do these guest race articles and shit. Um, James Harden got traded last night. And um, everybody oh. feels like they have to say this is either, you know, uh, James Harden somehow lost, the Oklahoma City Thunder lost, or the Rockets lost. He got traded to the Rockets. Um, uh, I believe, let's see, he got traded, let's see, uh, the Rockets sent Kevin Martin. Jeremy Lamb and future draft considerations to the Thunder for Harden. I believe the the future draft uh, considerations are two first round or two draft picks, um, along with Harden. Uh, the Thunder will send Cole Aldrich and Lazar Haywood and Daquan Cook to the Rockets. Okay. Um, Houston also sent two 2013 first round draft picks from Dallas and Toronto to Oklahoma City. Um, as well as the 2013 second round pick via Charlotte, my team, the Bobcats. Uh, the Thunder will receive Toronto's pick this year if it's slotted number four through 14. So, if it so basically if it's a top three pick, they won't get it. But if it's not, then uh, they do get it. It's top two protected and top one protected 2015-2016. So a lot of people are just having opinions about this trade. Chris, I don't know if you're really into the NBA, man. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Okay, what do you think about the trade? Well, I, I I didn't really get all the info on him until like you you really broke everything down. But I mean, it had to be done. Like if they he didn't they weren't paying him his market value or what he decided what he was worth, then they had to trade him. I think OKC will be all right. They'll still be a contender. Yeah, one of the things I like about this trade for everybody is. And I've been saying this for years. Trade the dude before it's too late. Yes. I'm fucking tired of before these teams. Before drop. Letting it. They go, oh, the, the, the player held us hostage. No, no, he fucking didn't. It's impossible to hold a franchise hostage. They hold the the contract. Right. So they're the ones who can say, we're trading you. If the guy goes, well, I won't go to such and such, you go, well, fuck you. <laughs> I don't care. Like, you don't want to be here. We don't want you here. We don't want to pay you what, you're, what we... What you feel you're worth, and it's a fucking business move. So I'm sick and tired of people turning on players and going like, well, you know, Carmelo Anthony's a dick or so-and-so. Like, no, he's really not. Um, the, play, the team doesn't have to honor that. It's, it's like if I went to my job tomorrow and they were like, yeah, we're going to get rid of you. And I was like, well, not until I found another job. It's like, they don't have to honor that shit. Nope. You go, fuck you. Get the fuck out. And it's like, okay, bye. So, so yeah, he uh, apparently he rejected a four-year offer. That offered him forty three uh fifty three million to fifty four million, right? Yeah, um yeah. and and the thing that I've told people is number one, 
I didn't. I said they were not going to be able to resign this group. And everybody, no. everybody laughed at me like, well, you know, he might take family. less money because I was like, why would you? Yes. Why would you? Stop thinking on a macro level. Think on a micro level. Yes. Would you go, would you go into work and they're like, you know what? To help the team, we need to slash your pay by 15%. Fuck you. Pay me. Right. You Come feel, on now. He feels like he's worth more than that. And obviously other teams do too. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, they would have, and, and this, another thing I talked about, the reason that this wouldn't happen that negotiation during the lockout Mm. the penalties on being over the cap are so much higher now yes they are you're gonna find a lot of teams that should stick together and pay the penalty because there's more to be made off of just having these players that are gonna have to now say no they're not you know like we can't go over this this cap number and basically end up fucking ourselves and losing all the profit that we should have had so um that I think that's part of what happened with this group. Um, do 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 mm-hmm. you think some of that is to prevent dynasties? No, it's because the middle market teams felt like they weren't able to get superstars or to you know it's like a middle market team might want to have a Paul Gasol, but if the Lakers don't really have to give them up because they can afford them, then why would would he ever leave? You know why would he ever be available for the Charlotte Bobcats to get him? You know. So it's kind of like the rich getting richer, you know. Now uh, Oklahoma City can keep four dudes who, you know, are potential all-stars while, you know, uh, Milwaukee can't get one, you know. So that's what this was about. Okay. And it was like, if you're going to do it, then you just need to owe us the money. True. You know, now not to be too cynical, but my belief is that middle market teams would rather the these guys actually keep a guy like James Harden. <laughs> And pay the penalty. And pay the penalty. Because everybody makes more money. Right. That's right. But, but you know, they made it too restrictive now. Guys are letting them go. Um, and so uh, there's a bunch of things happening here, a bunch of moving parts. Number one, people who think James Harden should give up the money and just take a less amount because Mm-mm. he had a bad series in the finals and this is now what he deserves. Mm-mm. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, no. get, it, it, it it frustrates me so bad when people want other people to do shit with money that they would not do. Like yeah. I said, would you go into your job and take a pay cut? No. Nothing in life works like this, by the way. Like, there's no people who are like, you know what? I'm just not worth the $30,000 that you're going to pay me. Uh, I'm going to just go ahead and accept 16 because that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. And live in the projects because that's what I deserve. Like, no one does that. Everyone, if, if you walk into an interview or something and they tell you a number that you thought was more than you're worth, you take it. Uh-huh. That's how you go, mm-hmm. thank you, and you yeah. shut the fuck up. And the truth be told, I'd rather be overpaid. Right. Everyone wants to be overpaid rather than overrated or underrated or whatever. Yes. Right? So, um, so that's part of it, man. Um, the other thing I thought was funny was the people who were trying to turn it into, like, well... Uh, this he's not a superstar, so he's gonna get to Houston, and he's not gonna be a franchise player. So it's like, the fuck does that matter? He's better than what they had. I know it's so. That's all they're thinking about. Everybody's thinking on a micro level, like all this macro shit about who can and cannot be a superstar. Here's what matters: James Harden was not a starter uh last night. Tonight he's a starter for an NBA franchise. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, like little shit like that that uh, you think is small is a huge fucking deal to this dude. It's jealousy. It's a lot of this jealousy 
And it, the same thing happened with Jeremy Lin with his, all those like different variables, the same thing happened to him. Like people were praising him. He galvanized the city for that three week stretch. And, and now it's like, oh, he's, he's whack now. But like, you know, and he's got, he's getting a chance to further his career, get that money. Like the more you see these, these documentaries on like 30 for 30 about people just, Get your money, man. Like I, I have no, I have no problems with him getting his money mm-hmm. and him, him like trying to, you know, realize his potential. Like it, it's, it's total bullshit when, when all these talking heads try to say, well, he wasn't that good. Like, well, so what? You know. Yeah, I want to be like, is he like, is is he worth the max player max contract? Probably not. But who gives right. a fuck? Mm-hmm. Like who gives a fuck? Literally, same thing with Jeremy Lin. Is he worth a max? No, he's probably not. But who cares? The other thing is these people get stuck in the stagnation where they believe that once someone does one thing, that's what they do for the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. right? Well, these are the same fucking idiots who thought LeBron James would never win a title because he choked one time uh, before. Or, you know, Dirk Nowitzki is never going to win a championship. And here's the thing. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. None of you know shit. Right. This, you are, we are all learning on the job. If I, the things that Chris knows as a comedian now are things that he did not know a year ago. Why would I assume any differently about a player that's a professional athlete? Yeah, they act like you can't grow. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, he had, yes, he tanked last year. He saw some shit that he'd never seen before and he, he did not play well in the finals against the Miami Heat. Does that mean that he is forever for the rest of his life will not play well against good competition? Like, I don't, I don't believe so. And I think mm-hmm. it's a good bet. To say a young man can learn and be better than he was. And how old is he? Like twenty four. Yeah, he's young, dude. Like, yeah. I, like he's young. That's all I know. It's like yeah. he's he's not old enough for people to be fucking giving up on him. Uh, right. it's, I, like, it's so much in that series. Like I was rooting for uh, the Heat to win because uh, I wanted people to get off LeBron's back. So I was happy that they won. But uh, the the narrative that everybody was creating was that. Oklahoma City, they're so young, and they're, they're yeah. this and they're that. And then when they behave like young people, it's like, you know, without the experience, at, you know, for that moment, then people are like, oh, these guys suck. You know, uh, or James Harden crumbled. And, you know, really, when, when you look at it, as great as Kevin Durant is, like the only one of the few people that showed the, the courage in the midst of all that was Russell Westbrook, and people yeah. – Say he was an asshole. So I mean, you right? Can't. He's only twenty three. Yeah, I'm willing to say it's a good investment to see if he could be better. Hello, people are already bringing up Joe Johnson and shit. It's like you know what? He's twenty three. Let's see. Yeah, maybe he's Joe Johnson. Maybe he's not. But all I know is this: I everything about tell. this move makes sense to me from both perspectives, and uh, I will not down this move. All right. We got to do some guests to race or else people in the chat room are going to get very upset. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to get hostile and burn it down, sir. Uh, obviously, guests to race is a game that we play on the show where we read articles and we just ask the people to guess the race of the people involved. Um, here's our first article. It's about a judge in Detroit and uh, apparently sent some racy photos to a female bailiff in his uh, in his court. So, oh. Yeah, things only got worse from there, Karen. Oh, oh my. On, let me get the volume right before I hit play on this. All right, here we go. Guess the race of the judge. Hot dog. Yep, that's me. That 
no shoot, no no shame in my game. I see. I ain't talking to nobody else's wife. Shoot. Yep, that sure was our barrister in the buff. Third Circuit Court Judge Wade McCree, who sexted a naked picture of himself to a female court bailiff. Oh, yeah, I've sent that out to other women, sure. Apparently she didn't mind, but her husband did, so he gave it to us, and we gave it to you. And now the Michigan Supreme Court has given it back to Judge McCree, publicly censuring him today for judicial misconduct. It's very rare for a judge to get a slap on the wrist like this, unless the judge did something really bad on the bench. So for the Supreme Court to look at this, to review this, and for the judge to agree with it, it's pretty bad. A judge has to set the example for others to follow. I mean, judges are held to a higher standard. There's integrity in the system of being a judge. And this guy didn't do it. Now, Judge McCree wouldn't come out of his chambers for an interview. I assume he's feeling a little bit of shame. But here are a few of the court's findings. During an interview with yours truly, McCree conducted himself in a flippant manner and did not give the interview the seriousness he should have. As a result, he brought shame and obloquy to the judiciary. For example, when discussing the digital image of himself, he said, Well, Bob, let's roll that tape. Hot dog. Yep, that's me. So he got it out of his wife's phone. Okay, now how did she say she got it? From you. She said she got it from me? Is that through oh. him or she told you? Through him. Oh, so it's still hearsay. Oh. The Supreme Court... <laughs> Classic. Oh, so still here say that shit. <laughs> what, what, what is he talking about then? Yeah, he's like, come on now. That the interview and the digital image spread rapidly around the internet and became the subjects of jokes and ridicule. Bob, let's roll that tape. We have this photo of you with your shirt off. This whole court is out of order. The circuit judge Wade McCree Wamagram. I mean, look at the guy. What girl wouldn't want a piece of that? Well, thank you. Thank you. And I want you to know the law. McCree's lawyer told me today that in the end, the judge was guilty of giving a bad interview. That McCree should have acted, quote, more judgy. The Supreme Court also wrote in its decision that McCree's female bailiff kept his naked picture as motivation to remind her to exercise and eat right. Now, I spoke to the female bailiff's husband today. Ah! He says all it did was wreck their marriage. At the Frank Murphy Hall of Justice, Charlie LaDuff. All right, man. Oh, this interview. So you oh. heard Judge Wade McCree. Are you ready to play against the race? Uh, Chris. It sounds, he sounds like he has a deep fryer in his chambers, and he has a... <laughs> An abundant supply of watermelon juice. I'm going to say he's black. Okay. Chris is going with black. Let's check the chat room. Chicken wing and mambo sauce eating spook. Oh, oh my God. That's a DC tweet, isn't it? That's, a, that's, uh, that's from Brent. Uh, told oh, you motor oil colored moon cricket. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I miss these. I miss seeing <laughs> one who kicks it with Kwame Kilpatrick and Clay Davis on poker nights in the D. Oh, I yeah. that for a dollar, says Evo. <laughs> a Charlie LeDuff dudes entertainment. Oh, Charlie LeDuff. Oh, okay, that's that's not yes, right. Wade McCree. He sounds like an outfielder, says Philip. I don't know if outfielder is a race. Uh, is that a race? I, you, I, you guys I know, know Harold McCray, who's McCray that plays baseball, but 
Oh. Yeah, I don't think that had guest rights in it. Kool Aid Engineer. Oh wow. Dolomite sounding Detroit Negro. Um, Jeremy says I'm gonna have to go with Brett Favre's biggest fan, so that's white. Philip Moore with the very simple black, and the correct answer is black. Wade McCree was a black man. (sighs) Yeah, man. He said, "Hot dog, that's me." Hot dog, that's me. I like. Well, how did he get it? Well, he says he got it from you. What did he say? <laughs> like, what is we talking about, interviewer? Yeah. Uh, this is a guest race, but a teacher has appealed his sacking for continued use of sarcasm and demeaning humor with his young pupils. Robert Fine, a general science teacher at a middle school, was dismissed in October on October fifth uh, by the school board in Florida. Oh, Florida. School su- superintendent Heather for- Fiorentino, Fiorentino, anyway, Fiorentino said in her termination letter that Fine, 65 years old, had been removed, uh, had been involved in incidents for the past four years despite being reprimanded. Fine continued using sarcasm and demeaning humor when interacting with students. Wow. Uh, Miss Fiorentino cited the following incidents in the classroom. Fine told one female pupil, pupil, honey, you look very bad every, you look bad every day. (gasps) Pages will be turning in the yearbook and mirrors will be smashing. Wow. He suggested to a girl who had a bout of hiccups that she go in the restroom, look in the mirror and scare the hiccups away. Well, damn. Yeah, said she was ugly, I guess. Sounds like some good, uh, sounds like some good... I hope you're writing these down, Chris, in case you ever have some hecklers. A, a male student, a male student called on in class when a female student was unable to answer a question Fine had asked. Uh, he then responded by telling the girl that she was a great ventriloquist and I asked you a question and you made the answer come out of the dummy in the back. That's a double whammy. Slamming the dude for trying to help the girl out and slamming her. Fine defended himself in a meeting with the school boss as an equal opportunity picker honor, whose own wife had to remind him to stop tailgating the students. Fine said that he used sarcasm and humor to build rapport with the students, but school administrators said that his classroom behavior led to a significant number of students requesting that their children be moved. Oh, sorry. Significant number of parents requesting that their children be moved. Uh, Fine has appealed his termination and is scheduled for a November 6th hearing. So, yeah, just he was too sarcastic to keep the job. Never thought I'd say that. Um, all right, here's another one that I thought was pretty good. First of all, uh, I like the idea of a dick teacher. Like, when did that become out of style? I think we all had the dick teacher when we were growing up. That, that one teacher that was just like, God, I don't want his class. He's always getting on people, you know? So I don't think it's a bad thing. Anyway, apparently, uh, say that again, Chris. We didn't do the race on this guy yet, did we? No, it's not against the race. This was not oh, it's just a story. Just, okay, sorry. Just a regular story. Um, here's another regular story. Um, I thought this was hilarious. Uh, apparently kids uh, don't have enough to do in high school these days, and they get to play some games. At a Saturday afternoon women's soccer event, we talked with parents about the letter sent out by high school principal Rich Kitchens. In the letter, he describes... A fantasy slut league in which our female students, unbeknownst to most of them, are drafted as part of the league. 
Male students earn points for documented engagement in sexual activities with female students. All right. Let's see. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we just had a technical difficulty. Computer shut down. I know we're in the middle of playing a, a article about some high schoolers playing a fantasy slut league. Um, ah! But, uh, oh, do you get so many points for sucking dick? So many points. Yeah, like, let's, uh, I'll play it again. Karen was out of the room. She had to pee anyway. Um, so, you know, a little behind the scenes for you people that. Here we go. Parents about the letter sent out by high school principal Rich Kitchens. In the letter, he describes a fantasy slut league in which our female students, unbeknownst to most of them, are drafted as part of the league. Male students earn points for documented engagement in sexual activities with female students. According to the letter, school staff learned about this during a recent assembly about date rape prevention. An investigation was launched on campus, and they learned this has been going on for five to six years. The principal writes, participation often involved pressure manipulation by older students that included alcohol to impair judgment and control and social demands to be popular. I talked with Superintendent Constance Hubbard by phone about the letter. We wanted to make sure the parents were aware of um, things that are going on in their kids' lives. Through the course of the day, I talked to about a dozen parents with children at Piedmont High School. They all told me they are surprised by this letter by the principal describing this fantasy slut league. But none of them wanted to talk on camera. They say Piedmont is a small town, and this is a very sensitive subject. There is one parent who agreed to talk with me. I'm really glad that there's a strong administration who's willing to take on these kinds of issues. As a mother of four girls, I just I couldn't be happier. Piedmont school administrators say they issued the letter in an effort to be proactive. The main thing is is that I don't want to blow it out of proportion. I don't want to make it something that is some you know horrible big event that we you know found out about. They're planning a series of on-campus assemblies with lessons about preventing this in the future. <laughs> I like how that shit just ended. Like, and well, that's I it. know. Where, where's what state is this? Where's Los this? Angeles. Man, like, it's so like parents. Parents need to parent their children, man. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's so hard. Like, I was I was with uh, some friends last weekend going to see a movie at midnight, and we ended up not seeing a movie because it was some scheduling thing or whatever. And uh, I saw this kid, this girl, this little girl was like not even 12 years old. She had a nose ring, uh, a tank top, like a wife beater on, and mm. like her, her prepubescent titties were out. And it was just like, <laughs> it was like, and she was with an adult and it was like midnight. This is like late at night on a Saturday. It's like, why are you out? Like, like I should not, you should not be putting thoughts into people's heads of them wanting to fuck your young daughter. Like, it's not, it's not right. Like, if you can't get on a roller coaster, if you're not tall enough to get on a roller coaster, you shouldn't have a nose ring. I agree, <laughs> I agree, Chris. Like, it is so hard. Like, I, and I was talking about this on Facebook, and like, one of my friends was like, well, it's easy for a girl to change her clothes once she gets to the movie theater, but it's like, nah, she was with an adult, man. Like, yeah. like, it's just like, and we're in, we're living in a time where it's like, it's, it's dope to have to be like for teen pregnancy and like you can't take, it's not like, I'm not like trying to be like a Puritan or whatever, but it's like they're not taking care of these kids, man. It's like, it's, it's upsetting to me, man. And yeah, I've and always thought it was weird when, um, people 
became very uh like when when someone's kid is highly sexualized at a certain age because it's like you know it's that that weird in between stage where it's like i i clearly what they're wearing is clothes that are supposed to say i am sexually available to some extent and maybe the kid isn't aware of that or not. I don't know. But the parent is. Yes, they are. It's like, yeah. Like, what do you do at that age where it's just like, dudes are going to want my daughter. That's why I'm glad. And she's walking I... out of the house in tights and a fucking uh, a, a tank top that shows everything but the nipple. Like, at what point am I being approved or am I being a, a good parent? You That's know? why I'm glad I don't have fucking children. Because girls get to an age where they think that they're grown and they will dress certain ways, but not realizing because of their age and their mental thought process, the image that they're putting out there and don't realize that, that for some of them, like you said, th- th- their body is saying one thing. And then when they get that attention, they're not m- mentally mature enough to handle it. And a lot of times get taken advantage of because they're, uh, they're, they're not, a lot of them are not sexually active, don't know anything about sex, have no idea what this guy is doing when he comes on to them. Right. And as a parent, it's your job to protect your children. No, you don't want to put your children in, in, in a chokehold, but at the same time, you have to let your children know that it is certain dangers to dressing certain ways, especially if you are not of the age where you can mentally know, un- know and understand what's going on and protect yourself. All right. Another guest arrest. Here we go. Police arrested two men found intoxicated inside a KFC on Indianapolis Southside. Oh, God, black. <laughs> well, one... Quick. While one of the men's two-year-old son ran around the restaurant unsupervised. The child's wow. father, James Rainbolt, 33, of Indianapolis, is a Marion County jail, is in Marion County jail on preliminary charges of public intoxication and neglect of a dependent. Police found Rainbolt and his friend, Andrew Kelly, 35, eating inside KFC in the 900 block of East Hannah Avenue at 5 p.m. on Thursday. According to an Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department report, the two men were failing, were falling in and out of consciousness and were trying to reach for food as if they were in slow, a slow motion movie. <laughs> they were that drunk. Oh my God. That's like the epitome of niggerdom. Like <laughs> drunk and like on chicken and just, oh my God. The restaurant manager told police she woke up. One of the two men, because the child was running around the store with no shoes on, the two had slurred speech and continued to fall asleep even while talking to the police officer. Police later found that both men are convicted felons, and one of them, Kelly, was carrying a loaded handgun in his pocket. Kelly has been preliminarily charged with public intoxication, possession of a handgun by a convicted felon. Uh, Rainbow is being held on $5,000 bond, and Kelly is being held on $30,000 bond. It looks like Chris has already guessed the race. As, um, <laughs> it could be white, but I'm sticking with black. Sticking with black? Shoes on. Yeah. All right. Let's check the chat room and see what they believe um, as far as the race of the guy is. Um, the black version of the naked, deaf, greased up guy on Family Guy. How much blacker can you get than this, says Philip. Niggas on scissor and smoking loud at the same damn time, says Brent. Sleepy Spades, <laughs> Sterling. Oh my God. Sleepy Spades sounds like the third member of Camp Low. 
Um, the one that didn't make the cut. Yeah, Sleepy uh. Spade. Um, I'm going with the one who drives a beat-up Ford F-150 and PBR White. They had the Tyler with them. Um, come on, some Steve Richards said white people like fried chicken, too. One who likes, uh, wait, one who gets turned on when this woman smells of cocoa butter, motion products, and Popeyes. Wow. Uh, tar, <laughs> tar says Shorty Short Stacks. Aww. <laughs> that, wow. Uh, I think you win uh, the medal today. Oh, Jesus, like man. Short, sweet, shortened to the point. Tar. Very efficient. Blacker than Monique's under titty. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, the correct answer is white. Oh, uh, see, you know what? Like, the baby with no shoes kind of like made me like I could have I could see the, the whiteness there. Yeah. yeah, I saw three giveaways in the story. One, it was a KFC, and not a <laughs> churches or a Popeyes, but the Popeyes or yeah. a Chicken Shack. White people love KFC. Because <laughs> if it was a black baby, it would be like the kid would have on some Jordan. Well, yeah. Number two, it was they was actually with the baby. So, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like baby, baby running around in pamphlets, shirtless and shoeless at, at, at Well, no, no, I mean, the it was two men and they had the baby with them. So I was like, it can't be black. Like, no way a black father is taking care of that kid. Ah! And then the shoeless thing, that's a white only thing. Black people, no matter how poor we are, will never not have shoes. That's, you can put that shit, I, you know, buy that for a dollar. Um, all right. Um, we got to talk about some sore ratchetness. Uh, police in Spokane searching for Nicholas Howell accused of attacking a man with a sword. There's no doubt that people have a tendency to overuse the phrase wrong place at the wrong time. Still, sometimes it's very true as a 41 year old man who was the victim of a sword attack in Spokane recently learned the hard way. Now, a week after the attack, Spokane police are still searching for the man suspected of wielding, wielding the sword. Um, as Spokane Valley police describe as the, uh, on the agency's Facebook page, the male victim was walking home from a local bar around 8 30 PM last Monday when he encountered a black four door Jaguar parked in the middle of the road in the driver's seat. He reported seeing a man who was yelling at another man located in the yard of a house outside the car. There was a woman who was also yelling at the man in the yard. Like most folks who stumble upon such a public and volatile situation, the victim told police he tried to play it cool and avoid eye contact with those involved in the dispute. However, despite the victim's best effort, he told the police that as he passed the woman, she turned her attention to him and approached, flailing her arms as if she was going to hit him. The woman was later identified as 48-year-old Lillian Howell. Wow. Naturally, the victim raised his arms in an attempt to defend himself. However, at that point, the victim saw a suspect identified as 27-year-old Nicholas Howell. The man who'd been driving the black Jaguar and Lillian Howell's son approached him with a large sword. Despite efforts to defend himself, the victim told police he was struck twice on the left side of his head with the old school weapon. The victim about this time, uh, luckily about this time, neighbors rushed out and were able to wrestle the sword from Howell. Witnesses told police that Howell and his mother subsequently sped off in the Jaguar. A good Samaritan bystander followed the car and reported to police that it drove to a residence in the area authorities were familiar with from previous calls. That's always wow. bad. 
when the cops are like, oh, yeah, we yeah, know that we house. know that address. That's the house to the left with the purple blinds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know that house. When police arrived at the home, they were able to apprehend Lillian Howe. Um, and, uh, though Nick, through Nick, though Nicholas Howe was nowhere to be found, police are currently looking for Howe on probable cause, first degree assault. So, yeah, more sore ratchetness, uh, um, dealing with that. Hey, hey, Chris, you said your Skype's messing up. You need me to call you back? No, I'm back now. I got, okay. I got you. All right. Let me know, man. I, if you need me to hang up and call you back, it's no problem. I um, heard Spokane. Is it, were you with Spokane that's still, the last one you were on? Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah. I was thinking white. <laughs> yeah, you know what? There was no guess the race there, but oh, um but I do know the race. Oh, I do so, know the race. So we can't so, play? Yeah, you guys can play the race. Uh go ahead and um go ahead and guess in the chat room. I I will I will wait on other guesses for the sword ratchetness. Guess the race. Uh, my man went with white, Chris went with white. Let's check the chat. Vanilla says shorty short stacks. One who fights with broadsword instead of katana white. One who thought about suicide when the daughter of the Elvis, the king, married that that dancing monkey. Oh Lord, Jesus Christ! Uh, slices the finest cheeses with the sword. Kurt Cobain white. Correct answer is white. Mm-hmm. That was a white person. All right, let's uh, we got a few more guess the race. Um, I feel like I shouldn't have to read all of this one, but. Um, did y'all hear about the New York police officer who was uh, trying to kidnap, plotting to kidnap, rape, and eat women? Yeah, somebody just told me about that last night. Oh, 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 oh. What, what? Uh, officer Gilberto Valet, or Val, I guess, a six-year ver- veteran of the New York Police Department, saved the document in his computer entitled The File, Abducting and Cooking Victim 1, so I guess it's her name, and semicolon, a blueprint. So, abducting and killing this woman, uh, and this is a blueprint. I like these guys who write down, I'm a criminal, but I need to write down detailed files, right? Yeah. In one of the most disturbing and unusual arrests involving a police officer, Federal Bureau of Investigations agents took Officer Valet into custody on Wednesday after they uncovered several of his plots to kidnap women, including one whom he threatened to cook and eat. I was thinking of tying her body onto some type of apparatus, he wrote, to a co-conspirator in one electronic communication intercepted by law enforcement authorities. Cook her over a low heat. Keep her alive as long as possible. Wow. What? He going to rotate her like you, ro- like, you, like you rotate your shish kebab, how you roll around the circle? When the colleague asked how big the officer's oven was, Officer Val said, big enough to fit one of these girls if I folded their legs. Oh. <gasps> The criminal complaint suggests that Officer Val, who worked in the 26th precinct in Manhattan and lives in Forest Hills, Queens, never followed through on any of the acts he is accused of discussing. So I guess he's like American Psycho. It's all in his head. Uh, He was charged with federal kidnapping conspiracy and was expected to appear in federal court in Manhattan on Thursday afternoon. How how are you going to get a scare long enough? I don't know. First, you got to get an apple to put in her mouth, right? Yeah, and what you going to do? Stick it at the top of her head and have it coming out her ass and rotate her? I'm confused. Uh, he was 28 years old, and he is married, Karen. So, ladies? Well, that's a sign. Whoever married to him, you might. it's time for you to go, honey, because next thing you know, you're going to be worse for dinner. 
yeah um evidence consists largely of emails and instant messages in which he discussed plans to kidnap rape torture kill cook and eat body parts of a number of women according to the complaint which describes two separate episodes in which officer val discussed abducting women in each case it it appeared that the women knew the officer vaguely and in one in at least one case the officer gained access to the national crime information center to get information about a third woman in an episode in February, Officer Val sent an online message to another unknown per- unnamed person in which he offered to kidnap a woman on the person's behalf for a price, $5,000, and she is all yours, the officer wrote. Uh, just so you know, she may be knocked out when I get her to you. Uh, I don't know how long the solvent I am using will last, but I have to knock her out to get her out of her apartment safely. So apparently this guy's been watching uh, Scandal. Way too much. Uh, Officer Val appeared to be under the impression that the person he was communicating with was intending to rape the woman. So, you know, he's just like a rape, you know, connect guy, you know, middleman. A rape middleman. She will be alive. Does, a- does, does, does raping firm to meet up? Like, does it tenderize the meat, make the meat just right? <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, if you're not raping your animals before you're cooking them, you know. You ain't doing it right? Okay. She will be alive. It's a short drive to you. I think I would rather not get involved in the rape. Uh, you know what's funny about that is you know that he would rather get involved in the rape. It's- yes, yes, because he should know that sperm is a great marinade. Oh, my God. Well, he just it doesn't. flavors out. He doesn't want to impose. That's how I'm reading that. Like, you know, I'd rather not get involved in the rape unless you want me to. <laughs> I mean, I would, but it's up to you. Uh, he says, uh, I'd rather not get involved in the rape. You paid for her. She is all yours, and I don't want to be tempted the next time I abduct a girl. So, yeah, see, he's like, if I get involved in the rape this time, I'm going to be raping them all the time. And, you know, it's just, it's like a Pringle. It's a slippery slope. Once, once you pop, you can't stop. Nope. You got to finish it. Uh, like I said, it is very risky and will ruin my life if I'm caught. I like these... These people that leave like obvious things in their communication is like, this is a crime and I know about it. Like, in case yeah. the police are reading this. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. I am aware. I am breaking the law. Anyway, man, uh, guess the race of this dude, man. Gilberto Valle. Mm. He's like, I see, I don't, I didn't, I, I'm sad because I live in the area. I don't really, Jesus. Gilberto, it's like maybe like Italian. Italian. Okay, going with Italian there. Uh, yeah. Let's check the chat room. Uh, <laughs> uh, Poppy from DLHQ, let's play the game where I simmer you with some onions and potatoes. See or no? Oh Lord. Mm. Uh, the, I don't see a lot of other correct and a lot of other answers. It's- let's see. Love all the cheeses, but calls him queso instead. Hispanic with white tendencies. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, like an Italian, Mexican, Latin, Okay. Resident of Vatican City. What's that mm. mean? Roman? White? Yeah, Italian, yeah. Okay. Uh, home, home, home sold her for a, for a leopard. Uh, the Bama who was trying to saute bitches cook medium with them like a mug. Oh, white. Yes. Puerto Rican, who will cut you, uh, who will cut you if you call him Dominican. Uh, correct answer from what I can guess is some sort of Latino. That's my okay. guess. Uh, a nursery teacher was caught taking 19 kids on a school trip, all crammed into her tiny Renault, uh, Clio car. Oh my. 
Uh, Melanie Minnie was pulled over with six children in the boot, at least three in the front seat, and the remaining ten in the back. Oh, my. Yeah, 19 kids in her four-door car. Uh, yeah, um, and you can guess the race of this. I know a race. Um, the, pup- the pupils from Reed Fontaine, wait, Reed Fontaine Nursery School in Gutenberg, in never heard of it, have been on a trip to a local, they were on a trip to a local burger bar. Cops swooped a mile from the shopping center where they had been eating after a trip from, a tip from a concerned shopper who spotted them all clambering in. Yes, that many kids, she got a pot in it like fucking sardines. Like a fucking oh. co- clown car. Yes, literally clown car. Take the bus, ma'am. Uh, so it said, uh, the onlooker said the children soon became upset, recalling they were excited at first, but after a while they started to get a, a more worried and cried. So kids are just 19 kids in your car crying like shit to get a burger. But like this, my niece, my niece, one child by themselves is so fucking destructive at times. 19 of them? Yeah. How could you even think a function? Guess the race, Chris, of the lady that piled these kids in. White. White. All right, let's check the chat room. Fish and chips eating white. Boot and Renault says European. Ah. French to be exact. Bitch thought she was the transporter. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Germany, German type. <laughs> Propane tank. Uh, don't know what that means, shorty short stacks. I'm assuming that means white because propane tanks typically are white. Yes, they are. Eastern Bloc Europeans, she probably main lines Gouda. Cheese either with extra DNA. Classic white, says Andre Joseph. White, says Shorty Short Stacks. Okay, one who enjoys the finest cheese. Okay, everybody was right. It's white. It's a white person. Oh, <laughs> because uh, a black person ain't going ain't gonna to pack that many kids in the car. Oh, a woman who was suspected of slitting her fiance's throat Friday night has been arrested on suspicion of second degree murder. Nicole Marie Ryan. Nicole Marie Ryan, 23, was arrested Friday at the home. She shared with her fiance. Uh, police said Ryan called 911 at approximately 11.25 p.m. Friday, saying she injured her husband during an argument. When officers arrived at the scene, they found a male in his 30s with a severe knife wound to his neck. The victim, whose name has not been released, died while he was being transported to the hospital. Jesus. Ryan was taken to Larimer County Jail on suspicion of second-degree murder and domestic violence charges. Police said no one else was at the home during the time of the incident. They did not believe there was anyone else involved. So guess the race of this lady who cut the throat of her boyfriend and killed him. Ah, uh, it's, like, it's like a crime of passion. So you want to go Latino, but the name, what's the name again? Nicole Ryan. Nicole Marie Ryan, right? Yeah. I would say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say white. I mean, right. I'm going to go with white. Check the chat room. Nancy Boutwin White. Don't know who Nancy Boutwin is. Not, uh, nine seventies black, nineteen seventies black exploitation spade says Evils Evo Evo eight. Uh, the back of Conan O'Brien's knees white. <laughs> uh, three white names, Caucasian female. Wait a minute, it bounced. Uh, three first names, Caucasian yeah. female who probably had enough in her Netflix queue. White says Cameron Booker. While, while being profiled on an episode of Snap, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, correct answer was white. She was a white woman who apparently had enough. Who knows what started that? I know it's so. Porn accusation ignites family argument. Uh-oh. Fort Walton Beach. Witnesses say a man tore his stepdaughter's shirt in an argument that was sparked by allegations of pornography. On October 7th, Fort Walton Beach police officers went to Markella Road residence after being notified of a family disturbance there. They were told by the alleged victim that her stepfather had ripped her shirt during an argument he was having with her stepmother over pornography he found on, she found on his cell phone. So What the little girl got to do with it? Yeah, I don't get why he ripped the daughter's shirt. That has nothing to do with the wife and him, right? The step the stepmother and him. The woman said she went into a bedroom and her stepfather entered, poked his finger in her face and began screaming at her. She said she pushed his finger away several times when suddenly he grabbed her by her shoulders and began dragging her out the room. He dra- he tried to drag her into another room when his fiance intervened. The man left the house. When officers found the man, now identified as 31-year-old Montez Tobias Millam of Fort Walton Beach, old Florida. He gave them a driver's license with a 23-year-old Hispanic man from from Texas. So he had a fake driver's license. Ah! Uh, They also discovered he had a domestic violence injunction against him. Millam was charged with criminal use of identification information of another person, violation of injunction, obstruction by providing a false name, and battery. His court date is November 20th. Guess the race of Tobias, I mean, sorry, Montez Tobias Millam of Florida. Tobias seems like a white name, because when I say here Tobias, I think of like Tobias Fuke in Arrested Development. Right, me too. But, but then you got Montez, like Montez is a Montez. My cousin married a black dude named Montez. Ugh. Yeah, this is a good one. It's like it's like his whoever his parents are like kind of. I'm sure they're excited about that new Assassin's Creed game coming out, like with the mixed race. Like, uh, a, that, that was, like was, a Native American. Yeah, I was reaching. <laughs> um, ah, fuck! I'm gonna go with. Um, and it's in Florida? Yeah, trash your gut. Oh, that's tough. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Mar- Bar- I'm going to say like a Latin. Damn it. I'm going to say black. I'm All just right. going to go with that. Chris is going with black. Let's check the chat room. Chris. Sounds like Florida bus driver uppercut and porch monkey. Oh, Lord. One who was afraid to die in a fire at work. I don't even know. Oh, that's black. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't even know about that stereotype till like two weeks ago. I don't either. Like that's a that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah so that's a new one. It's apparently a stereotype. My white but it's coworker. Like nobody wants to die. <laughs> right. I didn't nobody. know it was us. I didn't know it was us. Black snake moan jungle bunny. One who holds a PhD in blunt rolling with a minor in Kool Aid mixing. Oh Lord. One who eats corn with mayo while serving several tacos. Mexican. One whose kid sells chicklets on the corner, Hispanic. Oh, I'm saying half black, half white. Says Canuck Duke. Uh, mixed race, cheese eating, border jumper. The correct answer is black. All black, by oh the way. Oh my God! Wow. Yeah. You got that one, Chris. That's a tough one. A wild card with the Tobias thing. A home invader fled with serious injuries after breaking into the home of a 83 year old black belt. 
Oh, shit. Police are trying to find a home invader who was badly hurt when he tried to force his way past an 83-year-old black belt homeowner last night. The home invader, a muscular man in his 30s who may be linked to other burglaries, broke into the high-set home on Gilruth Road at 8.30 p.m. Inside were Edwin Dowdy, 83, and his wife, Judah, 76, who had lived on the property in the quiet streets since 1966. Uh, when, when the couple who had both been, who both have been black belts in the Japanese art of Aikido. Oh shit, they both were? Yeah. It do sound like he got some old man strip whooped up on his ass and ran. Uh, realized that they had an intruder in their house. Mr. Dowdy grabbed a knife from the lounge room. He had kept for security and went to confront the burglar and warn him that he was armed. He said he confronted the intruder and told him he had a knife, but the man tried to push past him and ran onto the blade. The injured burglar, who was bleeding heavily from a knife wound to his stomach, took two of Mrs. Dowdy's handbags and ran onto the balcony and jumped to the ground. A large amount of blood was visible there this morning. So they fucked him up. He then fled down the Dowdy, down with the Dowdies in pursuit and tried to steal a car from a few doors down. The vehicle, which belonged to P. Platter, they didn't say their name. Had blood on it this morning, and there was a lengthy blood trail on the street, so the the Dowdies kept that person's car from being stolen. Uh, when the thief was uh, unable to break into the car, he fled on foot, and the police today issued a plea for public help to, to locate him, advising that the amount of blood at the scene indicates that the man needs urgent medical attention. Yeah, they're going to find that man dead somewhere. They fucked him up, dog. So guess the race of the two black belts that fucked up this thief, Chris. Mm-hmm. I want to say they were, I want to say they were white. All right. All right. Let's check the chat room. Sterling says healthy lifestyle, cheese devouring white. A black 80 year old would have had both their feet amputated from the sugars by then. Oh, <laughs> shorty short stack says marshmallow. Brent says white niggas don't have black belt TV in the thirties. Snow Bunny says Cameron and Steven Seagal, Jack Lalane White. The correct answer is White. Yeah, he uh, re-bumped up on the wrong two old people. Yeah, I like he unleashed that old man's strength on his ass. He tried to look. I got a knife. That was your warning. All right, this is the last uh, story. We got to get out of here so we can do our fancy football. A Jersey City man went to sleep with after an argument with his girlfriend. And no article starts off good that way. Just letting wow. you guys know. Uh, he was awakened late Thursday night when she bit his scrotum. <gasps> oh, word. Tearing right through the skin. <gasps> oh, no. Are you serious? Balls just leaking everywhere. Ugh. Oh, all balls out. Uh, ironically, the argument was about whether or not she would suck his dick. So oh, that's even them, sadder. Them balls definitely don't bounce. <laughs> I was going to go there, too. <laughs> <laughs> Linda Mendez, 40, was charged early this morning with aggravated assault and domestic violence over the objection of her boyfriend, who told police he did not want to press charges. The mother of three appeared in court yesterday, and her bail was set at $35,000 with a 10% cash option. The 46-year-old victim told police the two argued at 11.30 Thursday, and to avoid the argument, he went to sleep. Well, that's stupid. Yeah, that's not a good way to avoid an argument. Going to sleep, nope, with a, a angry ass woman, woman. just chilling. Mm-hmm. Have you not heard the the uh, woman uh, a, a woman scorn? Hmm, sir. Uh, 
unless you have an argument and go to sleep in titanium drawers, then you you should not you shouldn't be going to sleep. You should sleep somewhere else. Uh, the uh, the 46-year-old victim told police they argued, okay? So he went to sleep. Minutes later, Mendez woke him by biting his neck and his scrotum, causing bleeding. Mendez complained of pain in her left hand and was treated at Jersey City Medical Center and released for incarceration. So she was like, I hurt my head fucking this nigga up. Mendez was also charged with uh, on three open warrants, two for light rail fare jumping violations and the other for city ordinance violation. Guess the race. Latino. Mm, go on with Latino. Let's check the chat room. Dude loves Popeyes. The chick is in the expert burrito roller and rum expert. One who can <laughs> transform trucks into boats to escape Castro. Latina, shake, shaking my head, says Evo. Uh, the correct answer is, wait, I got 100 food stamps for 50 never draw back having spick. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Congratulations, Sterling. Congratulations. Correct answer is Latina. She was Latina. Um, all right, man. We, I, I'm going to do this last one, then we're going to get out of here. Here we go. <laughs> this is fucking stupid. <laughs> Police say a man being booked in the county jail had a woman's ear in his pocket. A woman's ear? Her, her real ear? Yes. Not no fake ear. You know, we, we, everybody was celebrating Halloween. Well, what do you call a woman with two black eyes and a missing ear, Karen? I don't know. Nothing. Y'all already done told her twice. That's, that's a joke. <laughs> Officers were notified early Friday morning of she a woman. nothing. She can't hear you. <laughs> Officers were notified early Friday morning of a woman injured and fleeing Braden Apartments, um... The woman told police she was assaulted and held against her will by her child's father, Joseph Hall Jr., at his apartment. According to the arrest report, the woman had visible injuries to her face, head, torso, arms, and legs. Uh, she had bite marks on her body and a portion of her right ear had been torn or cut off. The woman also had broken ribs and a collapsed lung. She was transported and treated at a local hospital. Well, he beat the dog shit out of her. Yeah, he's Clearly a fan of Chris Brown. Um, Hall was located in front of his apartment where he had taken, where he was taken into custody. He later gave police a statement in which he says, in which they say he lied about the whereabouts of his child while being booked in the Tulsa County Jail. Police found blood stains, blood stains and clumps of hair that matched the victims. Among the evidence collected was the remaining portion of the woman's ear. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. You just put that shit on the other part of the ear and go, mm-hmm. He did this. Oh. Yeah. They found it in his pocket. Hall was booked for domestic assault, battery kidnapping, maiming, and interfering with the police officer. So, guess the race of Mr. Hall, ear taker. <laughs> uh, white. White. All right. Let's check the chat room. See if they get it. Dexter looking cheese tray hoarding pinky toe. Wow. This is some Dexter Morgan shit right here, White. One who cheers when a nigga scores for that team but is upset when that nigga gets his money and still t- <laughs> and still tells story of Pistol Pete and Larry Bird being on top. <laughs> That's my man, Paul Andre Joseph, man. <laughs> Sterling Harrison, a starry night, Vincent Van Gogh, give me cheese for my final meal, White. Vincent Van Gogh. Hold on, hold on. That's like, that's like when you're when you read a Shakespeare and you go to the notes just to 
figure out like what the actual line meant. He that's like the rap genius of racism. Like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he gave us the entire breakdown. <laughs> Who is that guy? I want to follow that person. Uh, I don't know if Paul Andre Joseph is on Twitter or not, man. If you are, put it put it in the um in the in the room. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, so yeah, uh took Chris Brown's class on domestic violence, says Emperor L. Oh Jeffrey Dahmer White says Evo, the correct answer is Black. What? <laughs> yes. yes, he was black. It was a brother. He out here taking people for their ears now. When did we start doing this, black people? Oh, Keen Woodbine did it in Dead President. Well, he took the whole head in Dead President. Oh, we got to be better than this. Damn. Yeah, well, I'm glad we ended it on a stereotype killing uh, story. <laughs> I know. Christian people hopes and racial dreams. I got five minutes, <laughs> I got five minutes to do my fantasy roster. So, blackouttips.com, contact information, theblackouttips.com slash about, five-star reviews on iTunes, phone number 704-557-0186, leave us a voicemail. Uh, talk to us live Saturday mornings. Email us theblackouttips at gmail.com. Comedian Chris Lambert was our guest. Thank you, sweetie. Uh, man, just thank it's you for doing the show. Always wonderful to have you. Always on. glad to keep up with you yes. and see what you're doing next, man. Um, and, uh, yeah, much like us, continue to grind and, uh, we'll continue to keep up with you, man. All right. Thanks for having me so much, guys. No doubt, man. Y'all check him out. Um, he's, at Chris Lambert on Twitter, on YouTube, he's Chris Lambert Comedy, and on Tumblr, he's chrislambert.tumblr.com. All of these links will be in the show notes to for the show, so, you know, make sure you guys are checking that out. Um, we're also on Twitter. I'm Rodimus Prime. I'm um, say that again. That is in D-A-T. The show Twitter is T-B-G-W-T. Um, I don't know what else I'm missing. Oh, vote for us. Stitcher. Do it today. If you have a Facebook account, you go to stitcher.promotw.com. Vote for us. Everybody I vote. While we were doing it. I did it while we were podcasting. That's awesome. Vote daily. You can vote once a day to November the 5th. I would love to kick Kevin Smith's ass and then like show up at his show in Charlotte and be like, well, how did that feel? Hmm? But, uh, you know, until then, nobody tell him. Shh. Keep it a secret. Yeah. And plus, I love chasing Amy and Marat. So everybody just calm down. But yeah, uh, thank you uh, so much, guys, for listening to us live. Other people, the show will be up shortly. And uh, until next time, I love you. You too, baby. Mwah. Now, everybody serenade the new faith of Kendrick Lamar. This is King Kendrick Lamar, King Kendrick, and I meant it, my point intended is raw. Fix your lenses, forensics, would have told you Kendrick had killed it, pretend it's a massacre. And the mass is upon us, and I mastered being the master at dodging your honor. In the chapter that read at 25, I will live dormant like 5 in the morning, the raise the spot while Kendrick's performing. And if they take everything, no, I got Compton, Compton, ain't no city quite like mine. Hey, what's happening with it, my nigga? Still a mad at peel the plastic. Off it, you can feel the magic Still I'm laughing at the critics talking I can see them gagging when I'm back in the back of my city Back in the back with a batch of them banging Trey beats with me Look where I'm at, it's the murder cap And I'm captain at birth in this gangster rap It's a rap when I'm done and I come a long way From a hundred dollars a month to a hundred mil in a day Bitch, I'm from Compton, 